This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is taking immigration matters into his own hands, or at least his state's hands. Monday, he signed a law known as SB4, which gives Texas authorities the power to arrest and jail migrants who cross into the state illegally from Mexico. It also lets Texas judges issue deportation orders, although it's not clear how such orders would be enforced. The measure won't go into effect until March, and it's expected to face legal challenges. A key question in those challenges will be if the government is assuming authority that belongs to the federal government. On Capitol Hill, senators still have not reached an agreement on border policy, further delaying a spending package that would also send money to Israel and Ukraine. The Senate delayed its holiday recess so lawmakers could work on making the law. But those trying to get to yes say there's more work to do to get the 60 yay votes necessary to overcome an expected Republican filibuster. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said this about the issue Monday. Everyone knows that something should be done to fix our broken immigration system. But we can't do so by compromising our values. And both sides must accept that they will have to make concessions. And it's going to take some more time to get it done. Top members of President Biden's national security team are overseas. The CIA director is in Poland meeting with Israel and Qatar in hopes of restarting the negotiations for releasing hostages held in Gaza. And there's news out of the Pentagon and a new U.S.-led international operation that will aim to protect commercial ships in the Red Sea. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin landed in Israel for his second visit since Hamas's terror attack on October 7th and minced no words. This is Israel's operation. And I'm not here to dictate timelines or terms. America's support for Israel's security is unshakable. Urgently needed aid is beginning to trickle into Gaza again. Israel reopened its direct crossing at Kerem Shalom. As desperate Palestinians ransacked a U.N. aid truck crossing in from Egypt into Rafah. Now the chaos of this conflict threatens to expand as oil giant BP and other shipping companies say they are pausing all transit through the Red Sea after recent attacks on ships by Iranian-backed Houthi rebels. And those diversions will have massive impacts on oil prices and supply chain costs. And in response, Defense Secretary Austin has just announced a new international coalition to help protect commercial ships sailing on the Red Sea. Massive pro-Palestinian demonstration took over New York City's major transit hubs. Protesters packed Grand Central Terminal, the Port Authority, and Penn Station before making their way down to the village. Actor Alec Baldwin, though, somehow got caught up in the protest. You see police escorting him after he reportedly got into a shouting match with protesters who wanted to know his stance on the war. You can't answer the simple question. Do you condemn Israel? You what? Do you condemn Israel? Go yourself then. Yeah, you gotta give me your answer then. You give me your answer then. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? <laughs> so when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it and it's tough to do in one word, what would that word be and tell me why? Uh, New York. Uh, this is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center to a, a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, this is a very, very complicated city, and that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. 
jury finds Jonathan Majors guilty of assaulting and harassing his ex-girlfriend, Grace Jabari. No comment from the actor as he left court today. Disney says they will no longer be working with Majors going forward. A Manhattan jury found Majors guilty of one misdemeanor assault charge and one harassment violation. He was also acquitted of other charges. This is all stemming from a dispute last March between the Creed and Marvel actor and his girlfriend, Grace Jabari, that began in the backseat of a car and then spilled into the street. Majors sat emotionless inside the courtroom as the verdict was read. He'll be sentenced on February 6th. He faces up to a year in prison. Today, the judge also issued a new order of protection, barring Majors from having any kind of contact with Jabari. My next guest, I know her pretty well. I should, I guess. I cut the umbilical cord when he came out of her mom. All the way back on April 7th of 2004, on a snowy morning at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. And then we took her home to Tenafly, New Jersey. And then you know the rest of the story. 19 years later, my daughter's done a lot of pretty amazing stuff. Very proud of her and love her. She wants to see her daddy do his thing, because I am the best. It's my word. daughter, Ava. You said word. Yeah. <laughs> that means you agree with that. Yes, I do agree. Really? I I thought you would have said that. Don't say that. Or You're extremely talented. <laughs> and just because I don't agree on all of the content doesn't mean that I can't acknowledge true talent. Baby, the calling. I still believe at 610. 
on your Tuesday morning, Tuesday, December the 19th, now just six days away from Christmas 2023. And the countdown, folks, for Sid and Friends in the Morning is now down to four, including today, four more shows. And then on Friday, this Friday the 22nd, we out of here, and we'll all be back on Tuesday, January the 2nd of 2024. That song, The Calling, I'll get to why we, we played that in a moment, but... I guess got a... It, they're the call. The call. I keep saying The Calling. What am right, I saying? Right. That, it's, right. All, it's all right. I yeah. make sure you got It's it. early, Correct. bro. It's early. I know. Wake up. But we did end the, um, the open this morning, once again, put together in brilliant fashion by producer extraordinaire Justin Ellick with my daughter, Ava. That was... She was in sometime in July, I guess. She was, uh, no, it was later, it was September. Of course, she was leaving to go back to Europe just a couple of days, maybe even the next day, when she made her last appearance in studio. And that's the last time I saw her. She um, got in Jean's cab and went to Kennedy Airport and flew back to, to England. I haven't seen her since September. But she's coming home tonight, so we're all very excited, me, Danielle, and Gabe, and the family will be complete, all four of us, the Rosenbergs, Danielle, Sydney, Ava, and Gabriel. I think she lands about 9 o'clock tonight, coming uh, in from Heathrow in London, so Ava is back, and she'll be back, uh, I believe, until January the 9th, and we've got a, a ton of fun stuff planned. I mean, a ton of fun stuff, everything from... Nick basketball games to Broadway shows to great dinners. And then um, in like two days, we're going to want her to go back. So. <laughs> My, That's how it works. Maybe we should ask her, too. Yeah. But right now we're very excited. So she gets off the plane and complains about something. You know, something's going to be wrong. Well, what's the uh, what's the over-under and how long? It oh, no, take? it'll be... It'll be tonight. Yeah, tonight. Okay. Yeah, so. she'll get home and she'll complain about something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Danielle did a big shop a couple of days ago and bought all the stuff that Ava likes to eat, you know. And there'll be like one ice cream sandwich missing because Gabe, who also lives there, by the way, <laughs> right. to remind Ava that he lives here too, you know. He may have had an ice cream sandwich and she'll be like, well, that's mine. And they'll be like, how can it be yours? You're in a different country. <laughs> Well, Mommy bought it for me, and this is the stuff I have to deal with. And, 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 and I'll hear something like, Sid, you want to get involved? What am I supposed to say at this point? Sure. You well. med- mediate. <laughs> yeah. But it's all good. We're, we're excited. The holidays are, well, the holidays are, some of the holidays are over Hanukkah for us, but Christmas again, six days away, New Year's right down the road. And we're also going to go for a couple of days to the Crystal Springs Resort. We love that place in New Jersey. Love it there. So it's going to be fun. But the reason why we played the call at the end of the Open was yesterday, I couldn't get home. You know, you had that uh, awful weather in the morning, the rain, the wind, coastal flooding. And so the ferry, which I take every day from Wall Street back to Rockaway, was suspended, which is a dumb way of saying it was shut down. What's suspended? It's like when um, when somebody's running for office. I never understood this. Tim Scott's running for president, and he decides to suspend his campaign. What do you mean suspend? It's over. He's out. Well, why do they use the word suspend in that case, Noam? Because uh, the thought is that if something incredible happens, then they can jump back into the race. Okay, like well, that makes everybody sense. else dies or something, right, then they can okay. jump back in. All right, well, then you make sense. 
Well, they suspended the ferry service yesterday, so I had to stick around till 1 o'clock. I literally sat here. Well, I went to the diner. I shouldn't say that. I went to the diner, had myself a nice uh, Jimmy the Greek wrap, which is basically a Greek salad with chicken in a wrap. And I like the New York Luncheonette around the corner. They do a good job. I mean, they're not. it's not the Oasis Diner. By the way, George, if you're listening, I love you, your father, Pete. I love all you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I do owe you a call, but I love you. The Oasis Diner, Flappish Avenue in Brooklyn, but it's good here. So I went there. I came back, and I watched. I watched. I listened to Curtis, who put on a great show from noon to one. He's always great, Curtis. And then Louie did me a big favor and drove me home. Louis leaves Every day at 1, after Curtis's show, he hands it over to Pedro to do Greg Kelly's show. <laughs> Somebody close to that name. What is his name again? He's a good kid. Diego. Whatever. So you drove me home at 1 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and it took us about uh, 75 minutes to get home. But whenever I'm in the car with Lou, we have a great time. We have great conversations. I mean, great. And the music is always terrific. He loves the same music I love, the alternative 80s music. And uh, we sit in the car like, um, I don't know, almost like those Wayne's World guys and bob our head and sing songs together. That's a great comparison, yes. actually. That is great. We just need, like, long hair in the back, right. a couple of silly hats. And we're good to go. Yeah. And the music is a little different. They were listening to, I guess, rock, and you and I are doing alternative rock. <laughs> but uh, the call came on, and that was it. Then the cure came on, Echo and the Bunny Men, and Lou and I were, like, orgasming in the car. We loved it. Yeah, it was one of the many times we've done that in the car <laughs> yeah. together. Yeah, it's fun. I have yeah. a good time. And, and then we always have some type of I Miss and Bernie conversation. So for some reason, Brant Eaton came up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this came up, too. Right away in the car. Yeah, Brant <laughs> Eaton. If you folks don't know this, Brant Eaton was I Miss's limo driver forever. And if you worked on the Imus in the Morning show back in the FAN days, that was the real Imus show. Again, I tell, tell people this all the time. What you got at WABC, it was over. Trust me, it was over. He was at that point already wounded badly. He had to pander to everybody. You know, the ABC Imus was not the right guy. The FAN Imus, that was a bad ass. And in those days, Brant Eaton was a major part of the show. And he was, I miss his limo driver. So his name comes up, and, and the Lou goes, we should get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, just something in my head. Like, where is Brant, Where's Brant? Where has he been? Last time I saw Brant, he was walking by the Chelsea Market on 15th and 9th, right outside the old homestead, and he looked lost. <laughs> and I said, Brant, what are you doing? And he said, well, I just parked the car. I said, well, why do you look lost? You park the car here every day. He had no answer, of course. But I reached out to Brant Eaton in the car on the way home. And wouldn't you know that five minutes later, Brant got back to me. No one's heard from Brant Eaton in years. Brant Eaton's going to call in in about 30 minutes. Oh, that's great. Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that great? Noam, did you ever meet Brant? No, I don't think I did, okay. but I bet he has some good stories oh, to tell. Oh, great oh, stories. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. I well, hopefully he'll, so. he'll want to share them, especially when Freddie Mercury and Queen left all that cocaine in the car. Oh, and what Brant did with that. But he, uh, Yeah, he drove some musicians <laughs> from the airport. Ah. Ah, he knew James ah, Taylor. He would, oh, yeah. he had Great stories. Crazy stuff. Yeah, so Brand's going uh, to join us. And then uh, a lot of the music you're going to hear on today's program is a direct playlist <laughs> of Lou and Sid's Drive 
from New York City to Rockaway yesterday afternoon. So got back uh, just in time to take a nap and go to the gym. It was great. So a lot of stories out there in the open we want to get to today. Obviously, Lloyd Austin in Israel saying all the right things. You've got the uh, the Senate now. They uh, waited to take vacation. Nancy Mace is going to join me at 745 this morning. They're trying to figure out how to get Israel money, the Ukraine money. But, of course, the big issue here is we need to get to uh, the border secure. That is the most important of all. That's the only thing I agreed with with Lindsey Graham when he was on Meet the Press on Sunday. I hated Lindsey Graham's appearance. Hated it. But he's right about the border. So is, of course, the Speaker Johnson. we got to take care of our border first before we worry about even Israel and certainly at the bottom of the list, Ukraine. I agree with all that. Do you know? I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, you would. You know, got to do what's right at home first, and then deal with everybody around the world. Right. So uh, Alec Baldwin almost got his ass kicked yesterday. That would have been nice. You know, uh, at one point they asked Baldwin. It was an anti-Israel parade, not a pro-Israel parade. So they wanted Baldwin to to uh, condemn Israel, which he didn't do. So congratulations to Alec Baldwin. But given the opportunity to stand up for Israel. He didn't do that either. He said, quote, I want peace in Gaza. And usually when folks say, I want peace in Gaza, they're worried about the Palestinians. Where I come from, if you're worried about the Palestinians, you are not pro-Israel. You can't be both. So Alec Baldwin proved to be like, like almost every other Hollywood idiot out there today, which is, I worry as much about the Palestinians as I do the Israelis. And Mayor Eric Adams, this was a moment none of us will ever forget. This is right there with Joe Biden. All the gaffes Joe Biden has made, including trying to talk to a person who was dead. I'm not kidding you. Introducing a dead person, looking for the dead person, gesturing towards a dead person. Joe Biden did all that. But what Eric Adams said yesterday was equally as embarrassing and by the way, hurtful, really stupid out of the mayor of New York City. All of that, plus a great, great guest list, which includes the aforementioned Brand Eaton, Curtis Sliwa, Nancy Mace, Lizzie Sabetsky back for a second time live in studio, Rudy Giuliani, Cully Stimson, and David Bonson all coming up. It's a monster Tuesday show on Sid and Friends in the morning exclusively. Right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC, folks. Stay with me. Got you till Brian Kilmeade comes your way at 10.
The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents on the tree. Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas if Christmas. My daughter Ava will be home for Christmas. She coming home tonight. Christmas now just six days away. You know, the one thing about our neighborhood, Lewis, and you drove me home yesterday, and again, Louis lives about 50 blocks away from me, but it's it's closer than it sounds. One thing about our neighborhood is it's a very festive neighborhood. No, oh, it's great. Right? Area. I mean, the, almost area. every house has gorgeous Christmas lights. My block, in particular, my neighbors, uh, Billy and Jackie Felton, they do a good job. The guy in my corner, Kevin Murphy, he does a very good job. The guy across the street, Louis Gampero, he does a good job. And then you go down about eight or ten blocks, and you get to Neponset, and then you've got Joe Murray, the big-time attorney Joe Murray, and his house, people come from all over the world to see that. And, of course, he had his annual Little North Pole party a couple of weeks ago, which I co-hosted with the great Joe Causey. But um, the whole area, you know, even down by you, by the um, by the gym, right? it's just uh, a very festive area for all the holidays. A lot of kids. Really, is a, it's a lovely place. For all the criticisms I directed New York, and yesterday I was all over it. I think I said three times on this show yesterday, I'm getting ready to move back to Boca Raton, Florida. But uh, where we live is is actually really nice. It really is. And you got the water and buy down by the water. That yes. It's decorated. There's a couple of gazebos down there. And it Gorgeous. Cool. Yeah. So Listen, it's a great area. the truth is there's no place like New York this time of year. Like the mayor said yesterday so eloquently, where else can you... Watch a plane hit a building. What? Yeah. No, I swear to God. No. Guy at Channel 11 is sitting there with the mayor. Can't make this up. This is about as bad as it gets, Eric. Sitting there with the mayor. And I like Eric, but come on. I mean, how stupid is this? Ask him to talk about 2023, the year in review, and somehow 22 years later, and not in a tunnel to towers spot, the mayor invokes 9-11. 
This is courtesy of Channel 11 yesterday, Mayor Eric Adams, talking about the year that was, 2023. Lewis, cut number 12. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? (laughs) So when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be, and tell me why? Uh, New York. Uh, this is a Two place words. where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into <laughs> our trade center to a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, this is a very, very complicated city, and that's why I mean, it's the greatest city on the globe. Sure. Uh, it's the greatest city on the globe because any day you can actually <laughs> witness a plane crashing into a building. What 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 sane person goes back to that and uses that in trying to make New York sound good? Uh, who does that? No, you should have seen Noam's face. I, I mean, he I looked at me and he couldn't believe it was real. Yo, you almost got to play it one more time. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Um, I actually said to Lou in the intercom, I said, "Is this real?" Yeah, because it's real. It, it's yeah. so awful. I mean, it's so awful. <laughs> What makes New York great? You can watch a plane hit a building. You can experience all kinds of things. <laughs> Jesus. Here is one more time, just in case you think we doctored something or we did something. This is courtesy of Channel 11 WPIX, where Mark Malusis does the sports. He really said it just yesterday. Mayor Eric Adams. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? So when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be, and tell me why? Uh, New York. Uh, This is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center to a a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, This is a very, (laughs) very complicated city, and that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. You know, you can also, but I mean, you can't even make it up. I wonder if God told him to say that. I mean, ay, 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 Curtis Sliwa looks better and better by the minute. New York is also a place, if you're a famous actor like Alec Baldwin, and you're trying to get to, I don't know, maybe Grand Central Terminal. I don't even know where Alec Baldwin was going. But all of a sudden, you end up in an anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian march, and these people are all over you, even physically, to try to get an answer from you on where you stand on the war. The only thing I didn't love about this piece is that nobody really kicked out of Baldwin's ass <laughs> because I can't stand him. You know, I walked by uh, that studio next door to us about a month ago, and he was sitting in that studio doing an interview with, um, what's her name? Uh, on the weekends, I love her. Uh, Joan Hamburg. Yeah. Uh, jo- was it Joan? Yeah, it yeah Joan. Joan, Joan okay. Hamburg, yeah. She's friends with all these guys, you know. She's friends with him and Alan Alda and all these hopeless liberals. And he was sitting right there, and I was like, wow, that's Alec Baldwin. And then I was like, what a dick. Anyway, here it is, Baldwin walking through New York yesterday and this angry mob going at him. This is the uh, cut number 11. Yo, f- you, piece of That's crazy. Yeah. Yo, f- you. We're at 29th Street. You can't answer the simple question. Do you condemn Israel? 
You what? You condemn Israel. Go yourself then. Yeah, you got give me your answer then. You gave me your answer then. You know, in that spot, I actually wish Alec Bolden would have kicked that guy's ass. If he would have asked me once or twice to condemn Israel, I would have punched him right across the face. Now, Bolden actually answered, I want peace in Gaza. Wasn't exactly pro-Israel, but he didn't give that guy what he wanted either. Where, where was the crazy... Real lunatic Alec Baldwin when you need yeah, him. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't that guy. So. <laughs> the, the, the screw loose Alec. So that little segment, uh, the moral of the story is, in New York, you can watch a plane crash into a building or get beaten up by a pro-Palestinian mob. You got it all. Yeah. <laughs> New York, New York. We should start the next uh, New York campaign. Uh, f- uh, fun for uh, tourism. I, I should do that, yes. 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 The Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, if he was still alive, would have to change the words to the song. You can make it here. You can make it anywhere. Give me a break. I mean, between Mayor Adams and Alec Baldwin, who the hell wants to be here? God. All right, Brent Eaton's coming up next. We've got a great guest list. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Week 15 action in the NFL rounded out last night with the Philadelphia Eagles in Seattle to meet the Seahawks on Monday night football. Drew Locke filling in for the injured Geno Smith through a 29-yard touchdown pass to 28 seconds left to cap a 92-yard drive. And the Seahawks stunned the Eagles 20-17, to ending a four-game skid and getting back into that NFC uh, playoff contention. The Eagles have already clinched. Moving to basketball in the hardwood in Los Angeles, where Jalen Brunson scored 11 of his 29 points in the fourth quarter, and the New York Knicks overcame LeBron James's 109th career triple-double for a 114-109 victory over the Lakers. Julius Randle had 27-14, and and Emmanuel quickly scored 20 points while the Knicks hung tough in the final minutes and fended off a rally led by James to earn their second road win over the Lakers. How good are the Knicks? Uh, the Knicks are uh, they're pretty good, good, right? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them a, a great Eastern Conference team, but they're, they're a well-rounded well, basketball There are club. two teams, Boston and Milwaukee, yes. that are clearly the cream of the crop. Now, Philly, they may be there, too. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but, Philly has the pieces to be there, for right, sure. Right, so the Knicks got to be fourth. I haven't checked the standings lately. I don't know, but... They got to be fourth. Magic and then Knicks. Orlando is yeah. better than the Knicks. Celtics one, Bucks two, Sixers three, Magic four, Knicks five. Knicks five. Okay. Yeah. Big week coming up. Me and Gabe are going to watch the Nets and the Knicks at Barclay tomorrow, and then me and Gabe are going to see the Knicks host the Bucks at Madison Square Garden Monday on Christmas Day. Yeah, I think they're just missing that one. You know that one uh, piece. Oh, the Knicks? One, yeah, they're missing yeah. One, one piece. But do I want to trade all these guys to get them? No. Whether it's, uh, who's a kid in Cleveland who almost signed with us years ago? Um, oh, Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. Or Joel Embiid or one of these guys? Do you want to trade Barrett and Randall and everybody else? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, the fourth or the fifth seed and a first or second round playoff exit is not what sports is all about. That's no. why fans are stupid. Right. You need to win a championship. Yeah, and I think you need you just need a little bit more. That's all. I know, but can we get a little bit more without trading away some of these other parts? I don't think so until the offseason. Where the hell is Corey Zelnick when I need him? Ah. Corey. 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 Corey! Come on, baby. Can we make this happen? 
<laughs> I mean, Gabe's all excited about the Knicks. Yeah. Bunsen had 50 a couple of days ago. 50. And he was perfect from the arc. Yeah, I think uh, from the three. I think only Michael Jordan has done that recently. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. A literal perfect game out of Jalen Brunson that day. And, and I got the Ranger game on Saturday night, too, with Gabe. Thanks to Joe Tacopino, Rangers Sabres. You're touching all your bases. Oh, I'm all about New York sports in the winter at Madison Square Garden. Hell yeah, baby. Oh. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Oh. All right, out in Utah. The and nuts. by the way, the Eagles were not <laughs> stunned last night. The Eagles haven't played good football in six weeks. The Eagles suck. Oh, they suck. But no, they suck. They should have won, but that wasn't stunning that they lost. I hate the Eagles. Yeah. No, you don't. You're an Eagle fan. No. You root for a team that is okay uh, with anti-Semites. That, well, I don't like when you your, do that. Your Jew owner hates the Jews. I don't like, you can't, I don't like this Your Jew owner hates the Jews. No. He's okay with BLM. He's okay with all that nonsense. No. Pandering to his black players. No. But God forbid you bring an Israeli flag to Philadelphia, folks. Get out. Your Israel, excuse me, your Jewish owner Hates the Jews. Do you think that's why they can't win a football game? Yes. Yeah. Curtis says it all the time. He's right. Yeah. You cursed Hashem. Yeah. You can't curse Hashem and beat the Seahawks. Curtis Are you nuts? Curtis didn't even say good morning to me this morning. He just he just did. Well, the, he's very excited the Eagles lost. He so. did the Eagles flying thing. He had a great listen between the Eagles losing and Eric Adams. <laughs> oh my God. His statement about nine eleven. Yeah, this I is mean, Christmas for him. This already. is Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 His stocking's full already. <laughs> <laughs> he actually cleaned them. Yeah, <laughs> the Nets. They uh, rounded out basketball. The Nets. They lose in Utah to the Jazz, one twenty-five to one hundred eight. Out in hockey, no local action from yesterday, but all three teams back in action tonight, seven p.m. You got the Rangers facing off against the Maple Leafs in Toronto, while the Devils welcome in the Philadelphia Flyers, and at seven thirty, the Islanders will get going at home against the visiting Edmonton. Oilers. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to fund a deal near you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, Seven on your Tuesday morning. I has passed away. Uh, you know, it was this month. It was December. It was right before Christmas. It was about five years now. The Iron Man's dead. Two, uh, Something like that. Yeah, I was still living on the Upper West Side. I know that. Four? Yeah, maybe four or five years around this time of year. And Bernard, of course, is gone, too. And we had all these um, tribute shows for both of those guys. Many more for Bernard. 
which is ironic because it was Imus who started the whole thing, you know. But um, we had all these colorful characters on all these shows, you know, and one guy that never came on was Brant Eaton. And uh, if maybe if you weren't close to the I-Man, you wouldn't know who Brant was, but I, I guess you had to. I mean, Imus certainly mentioned him on the radio a bunch of times. He was Imus's personal limo driver. He was on the air from time to time. Yes, he was. Yes, and he was great. Yeah. And he did everything for him. He didn't just drive him. He practically wiped his ass. Yeah, it's in the book. So we're a couple of years late, but um, we decided yesterday, me and Lou, on our trip home to Rockaway from New York City to reach out to Brandt. And uh, here he is, the very famous former limo driver for Don Imus, our dear friend Brandt Eaton. Brandt, good morning, pal. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Sid. <laughs> Where have you been? Where are you and what are you doing? Well, I am working uh, at the uh, New York City Board of Elections because i got to make sure that you can go out and vote when you want. Are you really doing that? Yeah, I really am doing that. What a mess. Wow. God, what a mess. No, yeah, I mean, the, the Board of Elections in every city, in every state, federal, I mean, it's a mess. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm in Manhattan. Yeah. Well, that's not a mess, Manhattan. Everything's run so smoothly here. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine, Brant, that uh, somebody can walk in, for example, and give you money and do whatever they want. That you wouldn't do something like that. I mean, you... well, uh, I don't know. I, all I can say is I have my WABC T-shirt on, yeah. my Anvil WABC T-shirt, and I'm. Wanting to uh, promote your show, for crying out loud. Well, that's very nice, nice. of you. I would imagine that uh, when I was died, you got no money, but you got the T-shirt, right? Well, I got the T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, where, where, where were you when uh, when I was passed away a couple years ago? Were you still working with him at that point? That was over, I guess. He was in Texas. No, I, he was down in Brenham, Texas at that time, and I was up here and uh, – uh, searching for a new job, and so I found one, and so yeah. uh, I've been working there for a few years now. Oh, so you don't drive the limo anymore? No, I do not drive the limo anymore. The contention was, Brandt, and, and um, if this isn't accurate, I apologize, but the contention was, and, and we love you, by the way, we love you dearly. You're a great guy, great guy. And every time me and Danielle would see you and Chelsea, you were super, super nice. But uh, the irony was was that you were Imus's limo driver, Yet everybody believed you were a terrible driver. Terrible. <laughs> I don't even understand that because I actually am very good with ways. Yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so what happened to the car? You used to park it by Chelsea Market on 15th and 9th. Where is it now? Well, it actually, uh, Hurricane Sandy actually took it away. Really? Yeah. It destroyed the car? Happened. Yep. That's right. Well, that can't be because didn't you drive by Miss after Hurricane Sandy or no? I did, except uh, he uh, let me use his uh, Escalade, so I was driving him around in oh, Escalade. very nice. He's nice. That's well, nice. Uh, Brand, you know, the reason why Lou decided to play Queen when you came in was there's a lot of urban legends around your days as I'm his driver and uh, mm -hmm. a part of the show and a beloved figure. One of the stories has Freddie Mercury landing at Kennedy Airport, you picking him up in the band Queen, and That's right. You dropped Freddie off at a hotel in New York City, and then you received a phone call not long after from Freddie that he had left something 
under the back seat uh, of your car. <laughs> but, but, of course, you knew that already because <laughs> you decided to try the coat before you even dropped it off, didn't you? <laughs> well, Freddie was a very amenable guy. I just put it that way. Well, the story goes on that not only did you go and drop it off, you're already wired, but that uh, Freddie invited you to hang out with the band upstairs. Is that true? Well, I don't really know about that. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really hang out with the band, but because uh, yeah. I had to take care of the car, so I don't think I did that. But yeah. uh, everything else uh, seems correct. There's got to be so many great stories. I, I can't even imagine. Uh, I, I don't even want to ask all of them. You should write, you should write a book. What was it like? Yeah. Uh, in all sorts, when you picked up Don... In the yeah. morning, God rest his soul. Right. And he was such a uh, happy creature. Even later in the day, he must have been great at 4.30 in the morning. What uh, oh, yeah. what was that trip like into WFAN at 5 a.m.? Well, I always had to get him a black coffee. Yeah. And so he always had his black coffee when he got in the car. And uh, we, we always tried to make it there on time every day. And so uh, that was my job, getting him there on time. Were you allowed to talk to him or not really? He didn't want that, right? Well, sometimes he would say something to me, like, you know, when he wanted me to pick him up or, you know, something like that. But uh, That was it? That was basically it. You know, he was he was thinking about what he was going to say during the show and all that kind of stuff. Right. Did you listen to the show every day? Did he expect you to sit in the car and listen? I pretty much listened every day. Yeah. Did you like it or you just did it because he was your boss and you had to? No, I liked it. I, I thought he had a very entertaining show, so I thought yeah. Uh, yeah. listening would be a, a good thing for me to do. It was overrated, the show, just so you know. Highly overrated. So, Break yeah. your thoughts? <laughs> well, he's loyal. I love that about no, Brad Eaton, man. He is, he is loyal as they come. No, we'll so you're up. working for the Board of Elections. You still live in New York City. How old are you now? I'm just curious. Well, I've passed the 70 mark, so uh, that's, that's wow. where I am, yeah. Wow. Jeez. And uh, you still live in New York City, too, right, Brent? I actually live out in College Point, Queens right now. Oh, nice. Okay. So what do you do for fun when you're not working at the Board of Elections? Oh, uh, oh, I, I, I have a car, and I run around, so I, sure. I do various things. Sure. Like what? So, it sound uh, like one of those guys in Massapequa. They did various things, too. They ended up in some field just outside. Former limo driver. Would anybody be surprised? No. I do some various things. I got a car. What's in the trunk, Brand? What's in the trunk? Oh, that's oh, yeah. what you did. Okay. Do, do, do you talk to any of these uh, other IMS people, whether it's Rob Bartlett or uh, any of these other folks? Oh yeah, I, I stay in touch with Rob and uh, yeah. Terrible and, story. Uh, the terrible story. How we died, huh? Isn't that terrible? Well, uh, I'm not exactly sure how it was, but I'm I'm yeah. very sorry that he passed. So. Yeah. Well, I was only kidding. He's not. He's not really dead. Oh. <laughs> Brent might know something we don't know. <laughs> do you still talk to Deirdre? Or no, never knew. Deirdre uh, every now and then. Oh, you do. Uh, every now and then. She I, hates, I oh, she, Branchy hates me. Yeah, uh, well, I always watch Wyatt on the uh, 
you know, roping the calves. Oh, is so. he still is he still like a big rodeo guy? Oh yeah, he's a big rodeo guy. Oh, cool. So so you still have a nice little relationship with Deirdre Wyatt and that whole thing. Well, I picked Wyatt up at the air, at the uh, hospital when he was born. Right? No, I'm sure I remember. Wow, he's got to be 25 years old now, or something like that, right? I mean, yes, I think he went to Rice. Uh, he did go to Rice. Yes, very good in Texas. Yeah. yeah. So, well, this time of year, do you get like an envelope in the mail from Deirdre Imus, a little Christmas uh, neg- bonus? <laughs> Negatory. On Negatory. That. Right. Okay. It was good as dead to her. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> like Rob Bartlett. <laughs> Uh, listen, uh, any parting words? Uh, there's a lot of folks here that uh, – did you know Leslie Slender? Yes, I did. She She's uh, one of these Psycho Imus fans. She thinks he was the greatest ever. And a bunch of folks yeah. here that uh, still love all of you guys. Any parting Christmas or New Year's words, Brant, for your the fans here at WABC uh, who do well, love you? I definitely want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yeah. And uh, 2024 is going to be a doozy. Is that good or bad? I'm not sure what that means. Well, that's what I don't know. It's uh, up in the air, actually. You know what the mayor loves about this city? What's that? You can actually watch planes crash into buildings. <laughs> yeah. Did you, well, hear, you can, right? did you hear this yesterday? No, I didn't hear that. Now, you got to play no. this for Brandt. This is the guy that you voted for, Brandt Eaton. Congratulations. Uh, mayor oh, Eric yeah. Adams, uh, he was asked on Channel 11 what's great about this city. And on the way out, here's what the mayor had to say. Brandt, I want your thoughts. Go ahead. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? (laughs) So when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be, and tell me why? Uh, New York. That's two words, by the way. This is a place (laughs) where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our train. Let's stop it right there. What do you think about that, Brand? You could experience everything from a plane crash. I hope we don't have any more plane crashes in the building, that's for sure. (laughs) Interesting choice, Oprah, to pick something that really makes New York special. Yeah, yeah, that might be it. (laughs) Well, Lewis loves you. Say something nice to Lewis, Brand. Lou, I miss you all. I miss you very much, Brand. I'm glad you're doing all right. That's good. I'm really glad. You You should write the book. Yes. Yes, I should uh, start writing a book. I have a feeling. You, had, you really should. And he had a great title for the book. What was the name of the book? I remember the title. Should no. I say, say it, Brent, or do you want to say it? Go ahead. Say it. Luke. He had a great Imus in the Mirror. Imus in the Mirror. Right. I do like that, actually. And, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Mirror. I get it, yeah. Okay. That's... By the way, Brent, did you get uh, hammered at Steve Cohen's bachelor party and nearly crashed into a glass table? No, my birthday, I think. Oh, it was, was Lewis's birthday. Is that a true story, too? Uh, I don't know about that story, but... Yeah. Uh... You were hammered. <laughs> I, I, I might have been hammered. <laughs> but you never drank ever when you drove Imus, right? No, no, I'm not a drinking person. Yeah. Okay. No, well, listen. No. It's great to catch up with you. You, you know, you were very nice to me. You keep you uh, keep in touch on Facebook. You send me messages, and I appreciate that. Like I said, me and Danielle always love you. You're a really, really nice person. I wish you a very merry Christmas, a happy New Year, and maybe you'll come in after the New Year and say hello to me and Lewis. Okay. That sounds great. Brant, God bless you. Love you, Brant. God bless you guys. Love you too. There he is. Oh, a legend. That was a legendary conversation.
Right wow. there, Brant Eaton. Watch the Imus fanatics <laughs> online on the Facebook. Right. Watch how crazy they get well, today. He's very upset Did about Did you guys Rob. hear Brant? Did you hear him? <laughs> he's very upset about Rob. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that was a situation you can't. It was kind of unfortunate. <laughs> Brant, we, we weren't serious. Yeah, no, we're only kidding around, Oh, my Brant. God. He's fine. Yeah. All right, we're, we're hey, fine, Rob. but he's alive. Hey, All right, we're going to wrap up. That wraps up our number one. What a great hour on a Tuesday morning. Noma's still laughing. A lot more to come. Curtis Sliwa, Rudy Giuliani, Cully Stimson, David Bonson, Nancy Mace, and Lizzie Savetsky live in studio. Hour number two about to come your way. In the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? <laughs> so when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be and tell me why? Uh, New York. Uh, this is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade no, center no, to a, no. a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, this is a very, very complicated city, and that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it, New York, New York, these vagabond shoes are longing to stray right through the very heart of it, New York, New York, I want to wake up in a city that doesn't sleep And find I'm king of the hill Top of the heap These little town blues Frank Sinatra, New York, New York, as we start our number two, winding down 2023 on Sid and Friends in the Morning at 7.12 on your Tuesday morning. That was courtesy of Pix 11 Channel 11 WPIX in New York, the mayor yesterday telling New Yorkers what a great city this is because you can actually see a plane hit a building, not the Rockefeller Christmas tree, not the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, not the ball drop in Times Square. No, you can see a plane hit a building and 3,000 people die. And I heard that, and after I laughed. I did laugh. It's really disturbing, actually. It's grotesque. It's horrible. But I laughed at first because I couldn't believe, and I like Eric. I'm on record saying it again. He's not a good mayor. 
He has been a colossal disappointment as the mayor. Colossal. But I like him. But that was about as stupid a comment as any politician has ever made. I'll include Joe Biden in that. That was worse than anything Joe Biden may have ever said. And I'm saying to myself, my guy Curtis Sliwa never looked better. <laughs> the Rip and Read is noon to one every weekday, gets great ratings, hosts overnights all weekend long, and does a tremendous job. He's on this show five days a week because I think he's great. The icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel. And, yes, he is running for mayor once again in 2025, Curtis Sliwa. So you hear that, and you're, you're saying, what, Curtis? What? Santa Claus uh, <laughs> brought my presents early. I'm not getting coal and wood in my stocking stuffer. What a present. Now, you know, I use uh, public transportation as a focus group. So last night I had to go out to Staten Island, and unlike you, take this speed ferry out to uh, Rockaway. I didn't have the uh, ferry yesterday, my friend. It was shut down because of the weather. Oh, I know. I had to take the WABC radio van home with Lewis, which turned out to be a heck of a lot of fun, but I couldn't even use public transportation yesterday. Well, I took the old uh, ferry out to Staten Island, and as I'm walking up and down on the deck, people are coming up, and naturally everybody has this uh, video now from Channel 11. And even the brothers from Stapleton and Park Hill were saying, yo, Sliwa, how stupid is this? I mean, What's going wrong with this guy? I say, hey, now you got to suffer. Yeah. You didn't vote for me, now you got to suffer. Then I was on Staten Island Rapid Transit to Eltingville. You know, that's the subway system out there. And again, I'm walking through the cars, and people were like, Curtis, can you believe this? What a great focus group. Then I go to Patricia's for the re-election uh, start-off for Michael Tanousis, who's the assemblyman, the chairman of the GOP. Our very dear friend was there, Joe Borelli, the councilman. It was a great gathering. And I walk in and people say, hey, is Sid, is Sid coming? Is Sid here? Is that right? Yeah. I see Joe Borelli a lot of places lately. I saw Borelli at the Teddy Atlas Foundation dinner on Staten Island. So did Danielle. And then Danielle and I saw him again last week at Paul DiGiacomo's DEA Christmas party. I love Joe Borelli. But they had to be saying the same thing. I mean, come on, man. I mean, why would you ever include 9-11 in any sentence when you're trying to talk about what makes New York great? Why would... I mean, that's nuts. That's no, but, not. How, how could, I mean, uh, Manash can't say anything about that today. Fabian Levy, even your friend Ingrid, there's no way any of these people can defend what Eric well, Adams said. If, if he was smart. Remember, this is his once a week press conference. Remember, he only gives one press conference a week. I didn't know that. Which that he takes yeah. off topic subjects. So be on alert, Noam Laden. I know you're suffering the effects of that second lobotomy at Greystone. But be be monitoring it at eleven thirty because <laughs> it's he, today. Yes, he's going to have to address that. He's going to have to say he's sorry. Yeah, he's, it, it just, what, 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 what he what he should say. I'm going to write the speech for him. Yes, Eric, please, please, Eric, put the damn show on. I, he listens anyway every day. I know he does. But if not, Fabian Ingrid Ingrid, tell him to put it on. What he meant to say was, the beauty about New York is the spirit of the people that live here. And even after enduring something as tragic as 9-11, the heart and soul of New York City, 22 years later, continues to breathe and move. And this is the greatest city in the world because only we, only we 
can restore a semblance of normalcy and rebound from something as tragic as that. Bravo, bravo, Thank you very bravo, bravo fortissimo. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. you got a second career as a speechwriter for all these jerks who <laughs> yeah. read from the teleprompter. You know, you know what I mean? That's do. good stuff. Well, thank you, because what I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm actually considering this. Yes. You run for mayor. Yes. And then uh, I run for city council against Justin Brannon. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, 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 my God. That's like... You know, occasionally a guy gets lucky and he's able to enjoy himself twice within the same night. God! That ain't you and I. I can no, tell you no, that. those days are over. But, oh, my God, how great that would be. That's a daily double. Curtis Mayer, Sid replaces oh, Justin Brandon, City Council. <laughs> but, you, but you wonder, when, when Adams makes yeah. a comment like that, he's not thinking straight. No. Now, I'm going to tell you something, too. Look, he's distracted. He's he is distracted. so distracted. Even when he made the speech last week at the DEA Christmas party, it was good. It was fine. It was a good speech. But at the very end, he used the F word. And I looked at Danielle and I said, let me ask you something. If I use that word during or after a speech, you're going to bite my head off. Yeah. And she said, yeah, I don't like it. And it's like there's a bunch of cops there. I get it. A lot of testosterone. They're all female cops here, too. But well, why would you go to that? Why? No. Like, what's going on with him? No, no, he's he's not only distracted, uh, but he senses that the end might be near. So when that is dominating your thought process, morning, noon, and night, when he's altered, he doesn't even go oh, go out at night anymore. No more nightlife because he's worried that any second the FBI may swoop around the corner and his police intel will leave him out there all vulnerable. Can you imagine? His police intel allowed the FBI to move in on him, strip him of his cell phones, and do it in the car. The police, excuse me, the, the uh, city-issued SUV, out of sight, out of mind. How humiliating. So he's he's looking all around him, and he's wondering, who are my friends, who are my foes? But I got to tell you, he never throws himself on the sword. Never does. Never apologizes. Big mistake. This is the time he's got to apologize. He's got to open up that press conference today at 1130. None of this Jay-Z likes to play music when he comes out. Right. Be very humble, very somber. What if he says, you know what I meant. Yeah. You know what I meant. No, don't don't no, give me a no, hard no, time. No, no. Come on. You, you know what I no. no one loves this city it's more sacrilege. than me. He's going, I was a cop during 9-11. Please don't tell me about that day. I was a cop during that no. day. You know what I meant. He, he, he will just compound it. I agree with you. He will just. I agree. I, I don't want to hear any more. You know, I'm the pilot on the airplane, and everybody better hope I land this plane. Guess what? We all have double parachutes. <laughs> yeah. We know you can't land this plane. I was thinking about Adams yesterday, too, because Governor Abbott, who we called the racist, which I yelled at Eric Adams about that and on this program. Man. And he doubled down. Remember, he called yes. him a madman. Yes. So Abbott is now put into law in Texas that they can arrest migrants. Which, of course, is really going to piss off the federal government. You know that. But I think it's great. Could you imagine if Kathy Hochul and or Eric Adams employed that same type of bill here in New York? How less dramatic this issue would be? Well, well let me tell you what the rule is. I'm going to be out at Floyd Bennett Field later today about 4 o'clock, 430. So if you're listening out there in the Irish Riviera across the Gil Hodges Bridge, or you're in Marine Park, which I'm going to be going through because the illegal aliens are now begging. They're going door to door. They're begging outside of Walgreens. They're going in and out of your favorite place when you were a kid, Kings Plaza. Begging, begging. Well, they're actually doing even more than that. They're actually going to the neighborhood where my sister used to live in um, 
Marine Park. Yes. Around the basketball courts yes. on Stewart Street, on Foster, knocking on front doors, asking for money. Yeah, you see it on the ring bells, the video. Hey, amigo, food, food, free food, food, yeah. food. Hey, eat the bagel and the schmear, you schmuck. <laughs> Can you imagine that? They're saying, oh, well, we can't eat your food. Guess what? We have Americans foraging through garbage cans who are homeless, some of them veterans. And I'm supposed to feel for you because you can't eat a bagel and a schmear? Well, then starve to death or go back to your country. Well, they've been doing that since they arrived here. I remember going back over the summer when Adams put them up in four-star hotels. Yes. And they were having sex but, in the room, leaving liquor all over the staircases, and smoking, smoking weed herb, herb right. everywhere, and, and starting fights. And, and, and they were saying they were frustrated. And they were unhappy. The cops are not permitted to arrest them. So today when I go to Floyd Benefield, there'll probably be two uniformed cops. And they'll tell you two things, Curtis, what a waste of time. We're not permitted to go into the migrant center under any circumstance. We cannot go in there, those four tents, and we cannot arrest any of them. They are untouchables. And so what the hell are we doing here? So somebody needs to be able to answer to that. I hope the reporters, when they get an opportunity to cross-examine Eric Adams, because he only permits it once a week. Yeah. So how come you have cops that sign in uniform? You don't let them go into the facility to check on things, and you won't allow them to make arrests. What's the point of having the cops? There is no point. So imagine, here's Abbott saying, you come across that line, the federal government may ignore you, but guess what? Once you get past them, we're going to pinch you. We're going to keep you in the local jails. That will at least slow it down, because the federal government is doing nothing. And remember what Eric Adams said, now that he's huffing and puffing, it's a national issue. Remember he said, oh no, New York City's policy is open borders. What policy? Where is it in writing? Sanctuary City. Show me the piece of paper where that's Neither one of those open border policy, or sanctuary city, to your point, Curtis, neither one of those is written anywhere. Anywhere. No, not in state. Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, where is it written in the state? <laughs> so you perpetuate this fraudulent statement that we're a sanctuary city, and you don't think these illegals from all over the world hear this and start flying into Mexico City and then find coyotes there, work their way up to the border. They cross over. Next stop, Catholic Charities. Where would you like to go? Pick a pick a city. Naturally, 9 out of 10, pick New York City. And where does Catholic Charities get that money? From the federal taxpayers. That's us, too. What a racket. I'm telling you, Sid, I'm going to be out there at Floyd Bennett Field. You know, I said, keep your powder dry. But now that they're not going to discipline the illegal aliens, they're not going to do anything. They actually, may, by by their lack of action, it's encouraging these illegal aliens from going door to door, knocking on the door. They're already getting three meals. They're getting an iPhone, a smartphone. They're getting health care. They're getting bus fare, train fare, whatever they want, they get. And they're begging and they've learned the American uh, tradition of complaining about your food, right? My kids say, I won't eat the food in the cafeteria. Well, guess what, Anthony Carter and Hunter? Stop! Once you're starving, you'll be eating that fake pizza they serve with the fake English Thomas English muffin. Remember with the Hunt's ketchup on it that they microwave with the Kraft government cheese? Eat it! Or starve, what can I say? And you, Justin Ellick, you should impale yourself with a menorah. And all Philadelphia Eagle fans, the curse of George Norcross is upon you. Crash Eagles crash against the Seattle Seahawks. 
You've been in a downward spiral ever since when your Jewish owner, Jeffrey Lurie, with Chris Christie, El Jefe, Shamu, Dallas Cowboys cheering him on, wouldn't defend George Norcross. Sid Rosenberg did. You, Justin Ellick, you should be banished from the tribe. 40 years in the desert for you. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. My next guest, I know her pretty well. I should, I guess. I cut the umbilical cord when she came out of her mom. All the way back on April 7th of 2004, on a snowy morning at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. And then we took her home to Tenafly, New Jersey. And then you know the rest of the story. 19 years later, my daughter's done a lot of pretty amazing stuff. Very proud of her and love her. She wants to see her daddy do his thing because I am the best. It's my word. daughter, Ava. You said word. Yeah. <laughs> that means you agree with that. Yes, I do agree. Really? I, I thought you would have said that. Don't say that. Or You're extremely talented. <laughs> And just because I don't agree on all of the content doesn't mean that I can't acknowledge true talent. In my daughter's eyes, I am a hero. I am strong and wise, and I know no fear. The truth is plain to see She was sent to rescue me I see who I want to be In my daughter's eyes In my daughter's eyes Everyone is equal Darkness turns to light And the world is at peace This miracle God gave to me Gives me strength when I'm weak I find reason to believe In my daughter's eyes And when she Everything becomes a little clearer. I 
Ava Caroline Rosenberg on our way home tonight. And the Rosenbergs will be a full house. I love that. Danielle, Sydney, Ava, and Gabriel will all be together tonight. Ava's set to land about 9 o'clock. And we get our daughter back for about three weeks. And I miss her. So I'm excited. Excuse me. I'm excited about that. So is Danielle. All right. um, You know, the... um, the place this time of year that people love to go to is Iceland. Did you know that? No, I did not. Know yes, that. because of the northern lights, Iceland is a very popular tourist attraction this time of year, as is Dublin. Well, it turns out they've been talking about this volcano in Iceland erupting for months. Do you know that the last couple of weeks they've had earthquakes in Iceland? And those earthquakes were the pregame show for the volcano erupting. Well, it just did, and I'm watching live video on Fox News of that volcano erupting in Iceland. Now, there is no life threat to the folks that live there. That's the capital of Iceland. There is no life threat. That's the good news, and it is some of the most beautiful spectacular video you'll ever see. The volcano has erupted in Iceland. Talking about that, we got a bunch of guests about to erupt here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Thank you very much. Nancy Mace, Cully Stimson, David Bonson, Rudy Giuliani, and coming up live in studio in about a half hour, our dear friend Lizzie Savetsky. So a great show Still to come, and again, Ava coming home tonight, the Rosenberg house is full. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us got them? Friends. 77 WABC. Bells will be ringing this sad, sad news. Christmas, folks. Christmas 2023, now just six days away, less than a week, which means 2024 is right around the corner. That was quick. Now, a lot of great guests still stopping by this program later on today, but I did want to get to somebody in Congress because, you know, these senators want to, you know, take off for Christmas and New Year's. And uh seems like they can't. They're trying to come to some type of, I guess, bipartisan agreement on the border and Israel and Ukraine. And I got to listen to that ass munch Chuck Schumer speak, and I just, I just wanted to, to, to stab myself in the eyes. I mean, I really can't stand Chuck Schumer. Can't stand him. So I go to one of my friends in Congress out of the great state of South Carolina, which is starting to annoy me lately, I got to say. Between Lindsey Graham's horrible performance on Meet the Press Sunday and Nikki Haley, I know yesterday she did a better job of staying away from Trump, but her onslaught with Trump, all these South Carolina people are starting to annoy me. 
outside of Nancy, Nancy Mace, my friend and congresswoman joining me right now. Nancy, Merry Christmas. How are you? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> I hope I'm your favorite South Carolinian, Sid. Oh, you are. I'm be on a, your top of the list. You no, know, you are at the very top of the list. Part of that is because Scott, Haley, yeah. and um, and Graham never come on, and you do. But the other part is is that uh, I just like the way you think. And, you know, Graham on Meet the Press on Sunday calling for a two-state solution. I don't know how you feel. Maybe you agree. But I can tell you, as a Jew here in New York, a Brooklyn Jew, and a very, very pro-Israel guy, we tried a two-state solution for like six decades. And all we got ourselves into were bad wars. That's it. Right. And even they tried ceasefires, right? And and Hamas will, will not abide by the ceasefires either. And so, you know, it's not up to us. It should be up to Israel and her people to decide what they want to do in terms of a solution, if there is a solution. And I'm not sure that there is because these Hamas people, they're not, they're not human. They're animals, right? What they have done to Israel and the Jews over there uh, and their massacre and their wish and dream for genocide is an abomination. And I just can't believe what I'm seeing unfolding on college campuses with our college presidents, our college students, with people across the country and our country calling for Jewish genocide. Like, I, I am beside myself. Where do these people come from? I don't understand. I don't understand it at all. No, it's scary. In fact, uh, there was an article in the New York Very Post, scary. which I brought up to Bill O'Reilly yesterday on Sunday, which stated, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if it was accurate or not, you got to be careful with these stupid polls, but it did state the overwhelming majority of 18 to 24-year-old kids in this country would like to see Israel annihilated. So anyway, Lindsey Graham's out of his mind. and They've Biden. been brainwashed. Yeah, of course, they're being brainwashed. That's right. So I want to get to uh, Governor Abbott for a second because Texas passing a bill that if you cross the border illegally, you're going to be arrested. Wow, that's a novel idea, and yet <laughs> imagine that. Yeah, and, and yet you, that you break the law, you right. get arrested. And yet imagine you know that. that the federal government is going to go nuts on Governor Abbott. You know that people like my mayor are going to call him a racist when all he's doing, Nancy Mace, is abiding by the law. That's it. And did you see? Have you seen the videos from Eagle Pass, Texas? Have you seen? That is a tiny town with 29,000 residents, and there are thousands of illegal immigrants at the border right now in Eagle Pass just salivating to get over because Biden has an open border policy. Biden will not follow the laws. I mean, you know, we can impeach, you know, our own Republican representatives in the House, but we can't impeach our own Secretary of of Homeland Security, the guy who's over the border. We can't impeach anybody, right? I just – I am beside myself at what – uh, Republicans are allowing to happen, but thank God for Governor Abbott. Thank God that he has got some common sense and is trying to find a solution when the federal government has abandoned the state of Texas. We really have the, st- yeah, the state of Texas and uh, a lot of states across this country. So let's get to it. I know you guys want to go on your Christmas mm-hmm. vacation, Nance. I know you want to go to Charleston, go to that great steakhouse where you invited my daughter, Ava, just last summer. She's coming home tonight, by the you way. You should come down next time with her. She's lovely. She'll uh, come down next well, time Well, thank her. you. She's okay. actually coming home tonight, and uh, Danielle and I are excited about that. But um, you guys uh, have to, I guess, wait, postpone that vacation, talking about some bipartisan deal that deals with the border, talking about Governor Abbott, and then, of course, money to Ukraine and Israel. For me, I, this is just for me, 
Uh, the border should get the money first. That's our country. And I believe, like Donald Trump, America first. Everything else goes to Israel. I am sick and tired of funding Ukraine. I could argue with Pete King all day about this nonsense that Putin's taken over the world. He can't find his own ass with a map. He ain't taking over nothing. That Russian army is an absolute joke. They're going to win the war because of attrition, and they're just too large a number. But they are not taking over anything. So for me, it's the border yeah. and Israel. What about you? Well, it's absolutely the border. It absolutely is Israel. Anything left over could possibly go to Ukraine if we have the money to pay for it. Is the thing, and I, and I will tell you while we're in we're in recess. But I, I obviously we're we're still working in the district. But was just invited to Israel yesterday, and I'm trying to work out dates where I can go over and see how things are progressing, see what they need. I know when the war first broke out. Our office helped get dozens of, of Jews out of there from our district and folks who are visiting there and seeing what they need, uh, because this is this is not just about Israel. This is about the world and having safety and security, no matter who you are around the world. And um, they're coming for them, you know, and you read the stories about Hezbollah uh, supporting Hamas, the, the Houthis now. Um, you know, we're shooting down drones, uh, the, the shipping issues that we have over there. I mean, it's just. You know, and Saudi Arabia is involved with all this because they're supporting certain certain elements in Yemen. And, you know, this is a, a huge quagmire and could lead to World War III if we're not careful. And we've got to support Israel and her might in every step of the way that we can. We have to. Yeah, was, I, I was actually, power. you know, you said we have to support Israel every step of the way, Nancy makes. And I was pleasantly surprised because I'm very critical of everybody in Biden's administration. They're a bunch of uh, racists, anti-Semites, and morons. They really are. But I was pleasantly surprised by Lloyd Austin, who said yesterday, look, this is their war. I don't want to get in the way. They got to do what they got to do, because all we've heard from Biden and Blinken and Sullivan and all these geniuses is, hey, you got to slow it down. You got to you got to change it up. You're killing women and children in the streets, innocent Palestinians. I am so sick of this administration acting as if when we know, dating back to his age with Obama, that Biden doesn't care about the Jews. He cares about the Iranians. He cares about where his money is coming from. That has become increasingly obvious. Mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks to you too yes yes and they become apologists for hamas right slowing it down only helps hamas and only hurts the jews and only hurts israel which is i i just uh you know i the left is so crazy right now i mean you can't even define what a woman is <laughs> and you can't <laughs> and you can't uh speak out against jewish genocide like i i, I can't this is the world that we now currently live in and they all they want to say is Trump. Shut up about Trump. Let's let's talk about the real world and what's going on over here and how crazy you guys are. It, you know, I just we have got to get Republican leadership in every way, shape, or form next year. That election next year is the most important election of our lifetime because this cannot continue. Couldn't agree more. I was watching a Welker on Meet the Press on Sunday badgering Lindsey Graham about Trump's rhetoric about the border. He's starting to sound like Hitler and shut up. Fact They're is not we... going to want to come across the border with Trump as president. I'll right. tell you that. And Iran's not going to not going to shake its, its spear or rattle its spear with Trump as president. I mean, that's what's. I mean, I, people they don't see that how much safer we are in the world without a Biden presidency. I can't even I can't even talk to you. Can't even have a conversation. No, I mean you're right. The uh, the Trump rhetoric. I mean people are so tired of hearing about that. And maybe he's not always artful mm-hmm. as they want him to be. But 
when he was president, we weren't having any of these issues, any of these issues. And now no, we've got tons no, of issues here and abroad. Yeah, I'm just just an absolute joke. So so what do you think happens here with uh, with the funding in terms of the border and Israel and Ukraine? If you had to make a prediction, Nancy Mace, what do you think happens? I think they'll do fake border security to get it through. And I, and I think that, you know, I, I, I respect and appreciate our Senate Republicans right now that are holding the line on border security, but the left does not want border security. They want open borders. They want to rule in our country. They want illegals to vote in our elections. They want to, they want to transform this nation into a different nation. And so I, I think you'll see a watered down form of border security. If I had to bet, it will not be HR2. It will not be what truly can stop the illegals from coming across the border, but it'll just be kind of a facelift, right? It might do one or two things and try to make you feel good. The rhetoric will make you feel good, but it's not going to do a damn thing to fix the border. That would be my guess because that's typical Washington. That's Washington math. They like to talk a good game, but at the end of the day, they don't really care. Sounds like lipstick on a pig. No? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Tell me about Hunter Biden. I, um, you know, I become friendly now with Steve Bannon. He's coming on again tomorrow, second time in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, you mm-hmm. know, he's been, uh, you know, the, he's got a four month prison uh, stay uh, ahead of him and Navarro also. And here's Hunter Biden who goes to the wrong side on purpose because he knew if he ended up on the House <laughs> side, he could be arrested. Right. So he goes to the Senate side. Right. He refuses to go to the deposition. I know you guys are hoping to hold him in contempt. I mean, this guy's got to go to jail. What, what, what is it going to take? You've done, you've uncovered all this stuff. You, Nancy, Jim Comer, Jordan, all you folks, his father's business dealings, his uncle's, his business dealings. Now he turns his nose up on Congress and, and misses a deposition. What's it going to take to stop this Biden family he, once and for all? He literally, Hunter Biden, literally gave the middle finger to America and to Congress by showing up to the Senate side and ignoring the subpoena to get him to come to that deposition. And what we should do, and I am no stranger to holding people, and you can ask Steve Bannon this, (laughs) (laughs) but I am no stranger to holding people accountable when they don't show up for a subpoena. That is contempt of Congress. And Republicans better damn well hold him in contempt. Um, That is the very minimum we should be doing. He should be coming to to testify in a deposition, just like Donald Trump Jr. and Ivanka and Jerry, like every other Trump, family member did they sat down for hours and hours and hours of deposition and just because your last name is biden doesn't mean you get it you get different treatment i mean you're not any different than any other american who is subpoenaed to show up before congress he ought to show up too and i quite frankly think that the indictments from california recently were a reason to prevent him from coming to be deposed right i mean we know that the biden administration will do anything that they can to hide and obfuscate the laws that, that Joe Biden has broken, and that's why this investigation is so important, because we can further expose the reason why Joe Biden will need to be impeached when we're done with this investigation. Well, I'm glad you went there. This impeachment inquiry, are you uh, pretty confident it would lead to eventually an impeachment? Well, it will certainly open up our subpoena powers and our investigation ability with regards to what the a Judiciary Committee is doing, oversight and ways and means are doing. Um, but we've got to have the backbone that when we present the evidence, that we follow through on the evidence. The evidence is leading to an impeachment of Joe Biden. But, you know, you've got the mainstream media, too. They're they're playing a game and the left is playing defense in that game. And so we have our work cut out for us. But based on polling that I've seen, just on what the committees have done so far, 75 percent of Americans believe that Joe Biden 
has done something wrong here, probably broken the law because of the evidence we're putting forward every single week. And we have got to continue doing that and let the voters decide whether or not they think he should be president. I think the overwhelming majority of them will say no. All right, 60 seconds. Nancy Mace, you're great as always. I mean, really great. So for all the hell I gave you about Matt Cage, when you, uh, as uh, Newt called you, the traitor eight went against Kevin McCarthy. So I go to this big uh, big event for the New York Young Republicans Club, Gavin Wax, a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. And um, I'm hanging out with President Trump, uh, literally hanging out with President Trump. And uh, Matt Gates and you Ginger. You pictures. You yeah, pictures. Yeah, that's right. You saw the pictures, mm-hmm. right. So Matt Gates and his wife, Ginger, are at that table, and he made a speech, Nancy, that wasn't good. It was great. Now, I know McCarthy gave him a lashing on his way out a couple of days ago, but all this led to Johnson being the uh, the new man in the House. How do you think Johnson is doing? Correct. He is an honest broker. I don't agree with him on every issue. You and I will not agree with him on social issues in any way, shape, or form, and that's okay um, because of the, the way that, that it works, that those things won't pass right now. But Um, He's honest. He's trustworthy. He's going to tell you the truth. Because with the other guy, yes was maybe, maybe was no, and you didn't find out about it until six months in. And so with Speaker Johnson, I like him because he's honest. He will not tell a lie. And both sides of the aisle can trust that when he says he's somewhere, that is where he is. And I feel I feel very strongly that we're going to get, I think, a more honest Congress out of him. I just hope it doesn't jade him i just uh you know doesn't get too jaded by it because dc is an evil place there are evil people there trying to do (laughs) evil things and um i think he'll withstand the storm we're not gonna like everything that he does but at least we know he's coming from a very honest place and that is something to be respected in this business because honesty is very difficult to come by as i've learned in a very short period (laughs) yes you have it's uh you've had your ups and downs this year i know the last couple of weeks it's been very public you've had Mm -hmm. some some uh, tough issues but i appreciate what you've done uh here with me in 2023 we've become good friends you've been great to this program you really have and i wish you nancy may say a very merry christmas say happy new year and i think 2024 going to be great for you how about that Thank you. South Carolina loves you, Sid. Mom is listening right now. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Hope you kill it. Uh, you too. And hello to your mom. I know I love your mom too. She's a huge fan of this show. Nancy Mace's mother. There she is. Congresswoman Nancy Mace doing a terrific job. Her last appearance here in 2023. We're trying to get all of the Sid Rosenberg friends on this final week. We got Bill O'Reilly twice. We got uh, Bannon tomorrow. No Trump this week. Ron Duguay, Stephen Van Zandt, Carrie Lake. All going to stop by Rudy Giuliani coming up today. Lizzie Sapetsky. So this is a big week as we wrap up. 2023 and that wraps up the first two hours of this tuesday broadcast when we get back if the no one with the news live in studio oh you guys love her and you should lizzie savetsky our number three about to come your way
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This year, we're, we're honoring two people. We're honoring Ron Duguay, who I know is a oh! friend of yours. Right, who else? Who else you honor besides Ron Duguay? Who's the second guy? The second guy, it's very important that you show up because the second guy is going to be you. What? We're honoring, we're honoring Ron Duguay and Sid Rosenberg. No, you're not. Here. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Come, Stevie, stop, stop. You being serious? I'm telling you, we're announcing it right now, live. It's Ron and you, baby. Come on. Yep. For yep. real? Absolutely, because of your great support of the police, and we know that. Oh, my Everybody God. Everybody knows that. Oh, my God. And so this year, we're, uh, we're, we're honoring both of you guys. You're going to come, you know, it's going to be great. I hear the sound of your guitar. Oh, good song. Bruce Springsteen. That, of course, was the voice of Little Stevie, Stevie Van Zandt, Little Stevie from the East Street Band, and Silvio Dante from the Sopranos. And uh, Thursday night is the annual Little Stevie's Policeman's Ball, which is a big deal here in New York, the Mandarin Hotel. I was there last year. They honored my dear friend Frank Caron. Well, this year, as you heard Stephen Van Zandt say, they're honoring me and former Ranger great, my dear friend, Ron Duguay. Just so you know, because uh, I invited Lou and MJ, they're coming this year. Ron Duguay is taking his girlfriend, Sarah Palin, out of Alaska. She'll be in New York for that event Thursday night. And Duguay also told me former Ranger coach Mike Keenan. He was the coach when the Rangers won the Cup in 94. Former Yankee reliever Jeff Nelson. And the current owner of the Islanders... And what is his name again? Uh, Ledecky? Ledecky. John Ledecky, yes. Yeah, he, they're all going to be there, too. So it's a big night, Thursday night, and I do want to thank once again Stephen Van Zant for uh, honoring me. And then I get a, a, a text from a guy named Joel Schneiderman, who works, He's uh, I guess he goes to the Fifth Avenue Synagogue. He sends me a text. He says, listen, we're putting on this huge fundraiser in January. We're trying to raise money to buy ambulances and stuff for Israel, and we want to honor you. I said, this is getting crazy, man. This is getting nuts. I'm just a dopey radio guy. I get honored like once or twice a week these days. I don't deserve that. You know who deserves that? Lizzie Savetsky. <laughs> this beautiful lady sitting to my left. She's out there every day, every day. She's talking to hostages' parents. She's out there with a bullhorn yelling and screaming. I mean, nobody does better work than you. I actually feel badly when they want to honor me, you should be getting all that stuff. Well, we appreciate your voice, Sid. You know, well, every you. it really, really matters. And, you know, we have so few people speaking out unapologetically in the way you do. So I disagree with you. I think you okay. deserve every honor you're getting. Oh, my God. Thank you. Coming from you, that means the world. Now, uh, I met Lizzie second of all the Savetskys. The first Savetsky I met was Dr. Ira, her husband. You may remember the story. My daughter Ava coming home from college tonight has a friend named Rafi. He got beat up on the Lower East Side because he's Jewish. That's it. Guy said, are you Jewish? He said, yes. Boom, the guy punched him in the face. And her husband, I didn't know him at the time, Dr. Ira Savetsky said on Instagram, he said, you come to me. You're Jewish. I'll take care of you. And he did. And then he came on the show and he made this promise. If you're a Jew and you get attacked in the streets, I'll fix you for nothing, which I thought was unbelievably beautiful and generous. So first I was friendly with Dr. Ira Savetsky. Then came Lizzie Savetsky, who everybody knows you. All my friends, they love you. And it turns out that today is a special day for Dr. Ira. And to wish your beautiful husband a happy 40th birthday. 40, baby. 40 is a big number. Yeah. I remember that. It was a long time ago for me. (laughs) (laughs) 
going on 17 years. Um, you brought your one of your three beautiful children. It's his number one fan. There's nobody that loves Ira. I thought that I was, but nobody loves Ira more than this one. And her name is? Her name is? What's your name? Juliet. Julia. Uh, Juliet. Your name is on your shirt, Juliet. So I actually knew that already. But what's funny about what Lizzie just said was they're in the green room almost before this conversation, and Lizzie goes to Juliet. She goes, who's your favorite? And the kid, without any hesitation, goes, Daddy. And I said, wait a second, Juliet. Don't you love Mommy and Daddy the same? And what did you say? No, Daddy. No, you like Daddy, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's not even close. There's Ira, and then I'm... What? what, what, Does he take her, like, shopping? Does he... Did he... I uh... don't understand. They have some, like, weird soul connection. Actually, an energy healer told them that they were married in a past life, which is kind of creepy. Very creepy. She's very... Yeah. She actually resents my existence because she's so obsessed with him that I just, like, get in the way. But I... Have to constantly remind her that she wouldn't be here if I wasn't in the picture. Well, that's correct. Your mother played even a bigger part than daddy, I would imagine. Do you want to sing happy birthday to uh, your father? Come on, Julia. Go ahead. Sing happy birthday to your father. Go ahead. To daddy. Ira. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to daddy. Happy birthday to you. Oh, my God. Yay. Look at that. Let me tell you something, kid. We love you, Ira. Marilyn Monroe didn't do a better job at JFK. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right, Juliet? Now we know you're just a liar. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was terrific. She wasn't wearing the... uh... The dress. No, she wasn't doing that right. So happy birthday to uh, Dr. Ira, who really is a terrific guy. And thank you for that, Julia. Thank you very much. You're welcome back anytime you want, okay? Okay. okay but she likes you your me... snacks in the green room. She's very she happy. Yeah, she liked it in there, right? Yeah. So tell me what um, what's going on lately. You know, we're down. Like, we're down. Uh, there's still about 130-plus hostages. Mm-hmm. I've got a friend. His name is Michael Rappaport. He's a big-time actor. Yeah, he's amazing. You know Mike. Big-time actor. So he was at uh, the kibbutz, I guess, last Thursday or Friday, and he called in live. Now, you got to understand, Mike, Liz, this guy goes on Howard Stern, drops the upward every two seconds. Yeah. He's a dramatic actor. Yeah. He's a tough guy. He was in tears mm-hmm. at that kibbutz. And we're talking about two and a half months later. So it doesn't seem like the Jewish people, whether they're here or in Israel, have lost any steam. No, I mean, I think... That the biggest issue, I was at an event last night listening to, um, you know, Nama Levy, that girl whose video we've all seen with the, the blood on her pants and oh. with the, you know, them dragging her by her hair. Oh. Um, she is back, though. No, she's not. She's not back. She's not back. She's still oh. there. Oh. Um, and her mother was speaking at this event. And it's just, you know, the, the issue is that we're all in this horrendous limbo period. And so we can't lose steam because we still have 138 hostages there. Um, we still have to eradicate Hamas. We, we ha- we're in the middle and it is a torturous place to be. And every time that I hear one of these stories from one of these family members, you know, I met with this Stella, my older daughter interviewed this 14 year old girl whose dad is still there. Mm. And it's like, can you imagine as a child, just wanting your daddy, you know, you just listen to my daughter who loves her daddy more than anyone in the world. That that's these kids, so many kids without their dads. And then also think about the kids whose who, hundreds of thousands of dads have left to go fight. Yeah. And yeah. you know, we're, we're just, 
we have no other place to be but right here in this fighting mode right now. You know, I put you in a very difficult position last time. Mm. I, I, I admit that. I remember. I said, I hate this question. I said, what's more important to you, getting the hostages back mm-hmm. or winning the war? Mm-hmm. And, and I asked you that, and again, I'll say it again at the risk of sounding insensitive, because for me, it's winning the war. Right. I have to pick one. I don't want to see one person die. Trust me. But this is much bigger than 136 people. Then the mayor, Rudy Giuliani, agreed with me, brought you on. You did a great job on his show. Oh, thank you. You did. You kind of touched on that, too. So I think that Netanyahu, uh, while he, they value every life, we know that already, maybe in that same, same mindset. I think right now Israel, especially with all the pushback they're getting from Biden and here in America, they are really dead set on wiping out Gaza, just wiping it out. That's the feeling I get. We have no other choice, but I still believe that um, the hostages need to be at the forefront of our mind. I mean, you think they're all alive? Uh, well, I don't know. I really don't. And I mean, it, it's hard to imagine that. But until we have confirmation, we can't. We have to assume that they are, because we, you know, we have to treat every life like it is the only life. And I, I mean, I stand by that statement. Because I have had so many personal interactions with family members, and these are not just numbers or pictures on hostage posters. These are real people. This is someone's father, someone's daughter, and it's their, their lives. The entire it doesn't just affect the person that's being held hostage. It's affecting the entire family, yeah. the entire yeah. community. You know, I feel so deeply connected to these people that I've never met. Well, you, but you have met a bunch of them. I mean, I watch your Instagram every day. I, and it's a testament to you how these people love you and trust you. And you talk to brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers of these hostages all the time. And you know, you talk about it doesn't just affect them. I forget the kid's name. I apologize, but he was taken from the music festival and he got his arm blown off. Hirsch. Thank you, Hirsch. And he sent his mom a text and he said, this one makes me cry. He goes, that's so tough. He goes, I love you, and I'm sorry. And, I'm, and I've seen his mother interviewed a thousand times, and you did too. And she said, I believe my son was saying he was sorry because he realized all of the crying that would go on since he's been taken. Yeah. It was no longer just about him. That speaks directly to your point. Exactly. It's, you know, we're in an international state of grief and it's it's so much more than this one person. It's all of us. And I I see how it's brought us all together in prayer and, uh, you know, active fighting mode together. That's a silver lining. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that all of these kids who were taken know just how much the Jewish people value life. Yeah. And they knew. Yeah. And especially the boys. I mean, look, we've we've gotten women home. We've gotten children home. As far as I know, you know better than me. Not one man, not one boy. Um, and look, I, I, I like the women and children to be home too, but if you're a, a man or, or a boy in those tunnels, you're going to come to that quick realization that if I'm still alive, I'm the last one to go. And you start to wonder at some point, is that really fair? Is it fair that Hirsch, a 17-year-old kid, or whatever he was, 20 years, whatever he is, 20 years old, at a music festival, that his life at this point has been discounted yeah. because he's not a man or a woman. I mean, he's not a woman or a child. Yeah, it's absolutely devastating. And I think, I mean, I I really have no words. I, I You know, I talk to these people who 
um, had to leave behind their husbands and didn't want to. And I think about myself and if they told me you have to leave Ira and you're going to be, you know, you're leaving with your kids and knowing he's there by himself. And they, they have said, we have heard these hostages talk about how their husbands were so scared Scared. and that they did not And to see a grown man Mm. trembling in fear, you know, Mm. losing hope. Mm. And you know, these three that were, that were killed, you know, the other day, friendly fire. Yeah. Friendly fire. Exactly. And, um, you know that they were in such a place of desperation that they were trying to do what they, they've lost. I'm sure they've lost hope. They wonder if anyone's coming for them. They don't know what's happened to the ones that have been released. They don't know. You know, they don't, I'm sure they don't believe Hamas to know that they've been released. They don't know if their family members are alive. I can only imagine what they're, what they must be going through. And then these, uh, some of these folks that have come home, Lizzie Savetsky, they are actually imploring the Israeli government not to go into these tunnels. They said, I'm telling you, they have people hidden. They've got explosives hidden. I mean, if you go into these tunnels, you're going to die. Now, Israel knows that already. Their intelligence told them that weeks and weeks ago. That's part of the reason, along with the United States uh, being annoying, that's part of the reason why we waited so long to enter on the ground. But when you have hostages coming home and saying, stay out of those tunnels, I mean, geez, that's a very scary proposition for our young men and women in the IDF. Like, I have so much compassion for the IDF. I can't imagine how hard it must be to be an IDF soldier between trying to save civilian lives of the people in Gaza. I mean, that alone puts them in more danger yes, because of their morality to save, you know, people that they don't know if they align with Hamas or not, but they do whatever they can to save the civilians. And that endangers their lives. Trying to save the hostages. I mean, it makes it very hard for them to do their jobs. I, I have unbelievable compassion for them. I, I would not want to trade places with them. It's got to be the hardest thing in the world. What you do well is, unlike me, I'll give you credit, and I watch you all the time, is you're able to separate the political part of this. Mm-hmm. It's a major part. And you just go from the human aspect. Yeah. You go from the, hey, that's somebody's kid, that's somebody's father. And you're a great interviewer, by the way. You're great. Uh, me, I can't go one day without crushing Biden. I can't go one day. Because I'm so disgusted with the American government and how one day it seems like they're on our side and the next day they couldn't care less. You know, to tell me that I got to worry about killing a Palestinian when they went into our neighborhoods and raped our daughters and cut our babies' heads off, unprovoked, mind you, on a holiday Shabbat Saturday morning. I don't want to hear that. At least Lloyd Austin said yesterday, hey, this is their war. Let them take care of it. That's what Biden should be saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do believe in my heart of hearts that Biden stands with Israel. I think you do. I do. I think his generation. But he worked alongside Listen, Obama. Obama not, hated us. I'm not a fan of this administration by any means. Okay. I th- find them to be extremely dangerous. OK. Um, but Biden himself, I think, you know, I, the question is how much power does he really have? I right. don't know. But um I do believe that his generation, they stand with Israel. It's the next generation of this party, political party, that I worry very deeply about. And it's, you know, the young kids that are coming up, the 18 to 24 bracket, that are getting all their information from TikTok that I am the most concerned about. I find that to be the most dangerous because that is our future. I. It's funny, though. I heard the son of Hamas speak again last night, you know, uh, Musab. And he... um 
He said he's the mo- I have the most extreme view of anyone that you will ever see. And the things he was saying, it's like what you know, what you want to say, what everyone wants to say. You know that these the the Palestinian people they only understand the language of the gun, and you know he he's like you know if you're if you have to choose between civilians who are used as human shields who people don't care about them or these innocent people that that's lives are valued. You know, right. you have to choose the, the people whose lives are valued. Of course. So I, and, but that's just the, the morale, the moral standard that the IDF holds himself to is, is just the highest level. And well, that's I, the irony is that I, I we are constantly condemned right. as being the most oppressive as, Accused of committing war crimes, which is insane. Right. So, so, ridiculous. so on one hand, you say that you don't think Biden is is not a friend of the Jews. But it was Biden who just a couple of days ago said, and I quote Lizzie Savetsky, Israel needs to stop with their indiscriminate bombing as if the Israelis don't care about yeah. civilians. Well, I don't know if I, I, I listen. I, I believe he stands with Israel. I think what he's saying and where he stands maybe are two different things. I'm sure he's under a lot of pressure because of, you know, it's not a popular opinion to right. have. So you think be, Obama's writing all the speeches? <laughs> I, well, I mean, yeah, we but all they, know where he stands. Well, we know that yeah, for sure. You know, it's, well, let's I, move away from it. They're, they're, thank they're God no he's good. not president right now. Thank God. I, well. So, but the one thing that, that we have seen, and I remember I went for dinner with all my buddies. You go for dinner once a month. Kantrowitz. And Carone and Big Mark and uh, Carlucci. And this sounds fun. I want to come. It is. Well, you saw me that night because oh. we were at Cipriani's oh, having yeah, yeah, dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and then upstairs, I had no idea there was this unbelievably beautiful event, mm-hmm. some gala. And you were there and I saw you. Yes. And uh, I know that night they raised, I think, like $2 million. Yeah, I think even more. Yeah. Even more. Well, what event was that? Um, oh, gosh, I forgot I remember to. the Moonlight yes, Gala. Yes, the yes, Moonlight Gala, yes. I think. Yeah, Omar Adam performed. It was it was a really beautiful uh, evening of Jewish unity and and pride and and support philanthropy. You know, it's nice to just get a bunch of Jews in a room together and say, you know, let's let's do something for Israel because we all feel helpless right now and right. to feel this togetherness. And I, I love I love how Jewish everyone is feeling. It's so, it's so interesting that the response to being hated for being Jewish is to. Be so proudly Jewish. Yeah, they, I love they, it. They did it to it's me. Like, oh, you're going to hate me? Okay. Yeah, good. Well, I All just, right. I I'm going to rock my Magain David. What's I just up? said that Friday night at Shul because after October the 7th, you know my story. Yeah. I don't keep kosher. I'm not uh, as religious as you and Ira. Yeah. But uh, my beautiful wife, Danielle, joined the temple. And we've now gone to three or four consecutive Shabbos dinners. And the Rabbi uh, Epstein let me speak this Friday. And I said just that, that the one thing Hamas did, they didn't break my spirit. They brought the real Jew out in me. Now you're going to see the real Jew, Sid Rosenberg. And to your point, I think that makes your heart warm. We're seeing that a lot. With all the negative media, oh, all the kids in college hate us. There's another, uh, you know, rally last night. They almost beat up Alec Baldwin. With all that Uh, hate going, all that hate going on, the truth is this, you see it firsthand. Mm Mm-hmm. We are loved in a very, very big way. The media just doesn't cover that part. That's true. And we love each other. And I, I often think, like, even when I feel very alone, and I say alone in the sense of the Jewish community, um, I, I'm i like, well, do we really need anyone else? Because we're so, our love and our unity is so strong. It's so beautiful. Uh, and we really take care of each other. I mean, I look at people... You know, it's not just writing checks. They're actually getting their hands dirty to help our Israeli brothers and sisters. 
to to fight the fight, you know, and it's it's unbelievable. And I just I think that there's nothing that can compare to um to our to our spirit. Agreed. Nothing can break it. And it's always been that way for thousands yep. and thousands. Yep. So the final question becomes though, you got three beautiful kids, the youngest being three, oldest eleven, and this uh, cute little nine year old Juliet who loves her father. You're going to have to face, like I have right now, my 19-year-old daughter is in college. Thank God she's in Europe. She's coming home tonight. But my son is in high school. He's 15. We're going to be faced, you and I, one day soon with the prospect of what college can we send our kids to? Because now we've come to find that the best universities, quote-unquote best universities, we can't send our kids because they hate our kids. That's a big issue, no less. I mean, I went to NYU undergrad and Penn for grad school, and both of those places are... You went to both. Yeah, nightmares. So oh my. It's, they probably have a picture of you with a bullseye. You know, <laughs> yeah, and it's very sad because I had amazing academic experiences, social experiences on both campuses, and I talk to the students that are there now, and they don't feel safe. I'm very connected to a lot of the students just through the work that I do, and they really don't feel safe. And that is the biggest fear that I have. And I tell these students that are on these campuses. I'm like, it's your job to pave the way for my children. You have a job to do. Like you have to stay strong and, and stay proud, you know, don't shrink away in your Jewish identity. And I'm seeing that they are doing that and that the Jewish leaders on these campuses really are rallying the students together to make them feel safe, to make them feel protected and loved, which is what they need right now. And I think that I always tell these college kids, like these are the moments when heroes are made. I was on the phone with a kid who's at Columbia, a freshman at Columbia, who was planning himself this big counter-protest to the Palestinian protest. And he was so scared. He called me, Lizzie, we need an adult. I was like, you're fine. (laughs) I was like, I can't be there. And you got this. I'm like, you're going to look back on this moment, and you're going to know that this was the moment that you stepped into your purpose. And so I think that we're making a lot of heroes right now from Jewish students that are going to survive this moment. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe my kids are going to go to Bar Alon in Israel. I Maybe. would love that. Yeah. I mean, who knows? We all may be in Israel by then. Yeah. I'm just, you know, it's it's on the table. Not a horrible we'll thing. Not a horrible yeah. thing. Well, 2023 is going to wrap up for this show on Friday. That's our last show. And then we'll be back in early January of 2024. But I wanted to make sure this last week I got on all the people that I love and have been good friends to my show. And I met you and Ira late in 2023. But I have to tell you that it's been an incredibly rewarding experience meeting you both, becoming very friendly with you both. I love you guys, especially you. You. Uh, you are a inspiring, tremendous voice for our community. I mean that. Thank and you. I love you. And keep it up. And please keep coming back and have the happiest of uh, New Year's and the happiest of holidays. And maybe next month, all of us. In Israel. Amen. All Amen, right? said. All Happy right. New Year. Thank Happy you New Year to you, me. too. All right. Lizzie Savetsky and her beautiful daughter, Juliet, right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. And one more time, happy birthday to our good buddy, Dr. Ira Savetsky. The mayor himself, Rudy Giuliani, coming up next. We'll take a short break.
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The Harvard-Harris poll just came out today. Has us leading Republican primary field by 56 points. This is leading. This is leading. This is leading by 56 points with Trump at 67 percent. Ron DeSanctimonious at 11, and Nikki Haley at 10. Where's the surge? Where's the surge? They kept saying, oh, she's surging. She went down a point, and I went up 10 points last week, and they do a story that she's... (laughs) And she is surging compared to him. So if you read the story, that's what they meant, because I'm like 70 points above them. If you read the story, she meant they meant... She's surging compared to DeSanctimonious. But you have to read the story. But it said, Haley surges. compared to Not compared to me, because I went up. The new Fox poll just came up. I guess I went up like seven or eight points, nine points. She went up two points, three points. And he's either even or went down. Then they say she's surging because she went up a couple of points on him. But she went way down compared to me. This, I'll tell you what, the media is so fake. They're so terrible. He's so right, man. Not just the media, but other Republican voters. I go back to this a lovely elderly couple I met once. Elderly may not be kind, but they were older than me. Okay. Uh, on the ferry in there, the five towns are Jewish. They were lovely, lovely people, and they were yelling and screaming about Nikki Haley, annoying the hell out of me. And everybody's going, oh, she's surging to Trump's point. Yeah, she's surging in New Hampshire. That means nothing. It means nothing. They're getting annihilated, annihilated in these primary polls. It's not going to be close. It's not going to be close. Nikki Haley is surging just enough where she's probably going to finish ahead of DeSantis. And that's impressive when you consider that most people anointed DeSantis the winner last December. So, yes, I'll give Nikki Haley some credit. She may beat DeSantis. But there's no competition here. We're wasting our time. Those four debates with fat, stupid, backstabbing jerk-off Chris Christie and the Jew-hater Vivek Ramaswamy. Shut up! Trump was going to win this thing, as I told Steve Bannon last week, from the moment he stepped foot in East Palestine, Ohio, and Bannon agreed. Let's rally behind Trump and beat these damn Democrats. Whether it's Biden or Newsom, I don't care. Rally behind Trump. Stop wasting my time with Haley and DeSantis. Idiots. Woody Giuliani's next. Hidden friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? <laughs> so when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be? And tell me why. Uh, New York. Two words. Uh, this is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into no, our no, trade center no, no, to no, a, no, a person who's celebrating no, no. a new business that's open. Uh, this is a very, very complicated city, and that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. That's why it's the greatest city in the globe. Where else can you see planes crash into buildings? Believe it or not, folks, that's your mayor. You voted for him. He said that yesterday, courtesy of Channel 11 WPIX. What makes this city the greatest city in the world? Where else can you see planes crash into buildings? <laughs> I mean, I just, it, it's horrible. It's disturbing. It's, but I have to laugh because it's just, 
It's also so stupid. Well, it doesn't happen everywhere. No, he's right about that. Lizzie Savetsky was great. Savetsky loves Rudy, too. She said, is Giuliani going to be here? I said, no, he's calling in. But I don't know. Giuliani was the mayor during that difficult period and distinguished himself then and is still considered by anybody with a half a brain the greatest mayor in the history of that job in any big city in any state across America. And I don't think if you ask Rudy Giuliani, when he thinks about 2023, what makes this city great, that he's going to harken back to 1,000 funerals 22 years ago. But who knows? Let's ask him. Rudy, when you think about what makes New York great, planes flying at the buildings? <laughs> no, no. That was one of our worst days, of course. Uh, the, the thing that makes New York City great is the way we came back from that. You know, right, uh, right. He should have added, if he adds that, and he says, hey, 22 years later, look, we're still a united people. We came back from that. But to move straight from that to, like, the Rockefeller Christmas tree, that's really idiotic. Yeah, there's something missing. I, I don't know. I, 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 You know, I hate to play uh, armchair psychiatrist, but it, with Adams, there's something missing. And believe it or not, you know I never was a big fan, but I'm starting to feel bad because – I think of the alternatives, and I'm starting yeah. to think, my, my goodness. And I also think this may be uh, projected by the White House. So, but in any event, yeah, of course. I mean, he, he doesn't understand leadership. It's it's a, it may be as simple as that. You have to you have to lead with a positive goal, and then after you have the positive goal established. You can start talking about how we improve. You know, people are motivated by uh, positive things about about success. And look back on our ancestors and what they accomplished. We can do the same thing. You know, there are two, uh, two events, if you will, that I try never to bring up. Now, the reason why I've mentioned the Holocaust a bunch lately, which I never do, never, Rudy, is because of October 7th, because that was the worst, right. And the other one is 9-11. I mean, I do a show every year on that date, and you come on, and Bernie, and all you great folks. Otherwise, I never bring up those days. There's nothing to compare it to, and it makes me angry. So even though you and I both kind of giggled just now when we talked about Adams and who he is, does it make you angry when people bring up 9-11 for any other reason than on that day? Or terrorism? Or 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 for any reason but a truly, truly serious one. God forbid we were to have another terrorist attack and, you know, something you could compare to it. Or uh, or maybe I'll bring it up because we didn't pay enough attention and it happened, and I'm worried right now that we're doing the same thing. I, I really feel that right now we're in a more dangerous position than we were in before September 11. Uh, there have to be more terrorists in this country than there were before September 11. So I might bring it up for a reason like that. But I, I have a hard time even, you know, driving down there. Uh, I go down there and uh, I try to get my mind on something else. Or It's a very difficult thing to live through, and it shouldn't be compared to anything else. I think they blew, for me at least, that whole January 6th thing on Trump the day they said it was like uh, September 11th. Yep, yep, yep. I said, these people are crazy. I said, they're yep. not even in, in, in the right uh, uh, worlds. I mean, they're crazy people. Crazy. Uh, the only day you can compare to that would be um, Pearl Harbor. So of I have course. to, uh, right, exactly. So, so I have to ask yeah. you this, I, and I don't want to go into any details. I will tell you that I did not cover, I haven't brought it up once, 
the whole story about your your loss last week, the court loss. Uh, I don't want to. You're my friend, and I love you, and I think it was a, a bullcrap case, and I think uh, they are really going out of the way to torture you. And I don't know how you do it, Rudy. I don't know how you do it. You get on the air every day. You come on with me. You sound like you're, you're doing fine. You're doing great. I saw you at that event with Trump two weeks ago. You look like a million bucks. But these are a lot of arrows you're taking, 150, whatever the stupid number was. I mean, come on. Between you and I, are you not are you not at this point just exhausted, angry, disappointed, or or the Rudy that I'm getting right now, is this really you? It's really me. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not that at times. You know, obviously I'm human, and I think maybe, but, but in a way, maybe because of all the years of, uh, fighting back and fighting for things that were impossible. You know, you, you think about being mayor of New York. Every friend of mine but one told me I was going to be uh, – uh, people who cared about me said I was making a big mistake running for mayor, that I had a really good chance of being governor or senator. I should run for that. My my approval ratings in, in upstate New York and uh, the the the, the, the uh, uh, suburbs were very, very high. New York City's didn't vote for Abraham Lincoln. They're not going to vote for you. Right. Uh, and and then and, and even if you get the job, you won't be able to do it. They gave me these books that said New York City is ungovernable. All, all that did is make me want to do it more. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe I'm a strange personality. No, I, I you are. No, you are. You're a masochist. The challenge, <laughs> the challenge, the challenge drives me. And yeah. also uh, the sense of patriotism. I really I feel whether I'm right or I think I'm right. And Trump feels the same way. Trump says this is the most important thing I've ever done, what I'm doing right now. And uh, and in some ways, I think it is because I'm helping to save my country. I believe our country has gone past the point where, in many ways, we are now a fascist country. We're not on our way to being one. We are one. When you have results like I had in court or Trump being tried four times in the election year by Democratic DAs, and we can't figure out this is a political plot. I mean, nobody gets, as he points out, Al Capone was indicted once. Right. I mean, I indicted the, the heads of the mafia once. Once. Right. Right. Yeah, John Dillinger uh, once. John Gotti once. Pablo Escobar once. Donald Trump four times. All by Democratic DAs, all in crooked Democratic cities. Yeah. Where the chance of getting a jury that's fair is, you know, one out of 100. Right. Uh, they, they, they own. They own. They own the. They own the, the whole. The whole thing. No, we do. When so, when when that Georgia case ended up at you in D.C., that was going to be an issue. So last one on this one, and move off of it. Can you live the rest of your life without them taking everything from you? Everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, uh, we'll find a way. Okay, let's talk about. Let's, I'm not, and, okay. and we'll get it reversed. I'm, I mean, I I can't be a hundred percent sure, but I'm more certain than not that the case will be reversed. In a strange way, uh, the number helped me. I, my lawyer and I were both saying that, you know, if they're going to come back against me, which they were definitely going to do, it's a D.C. jury. I mean, they, the people there are at the, you know, at the, at the 100th degree of hating Trump and 99th degree of hating me. <laughs> so um, the, rea- the, rea- the reality is they were going to come back with a verdict, a one, one that's absurd, you know, is better than one that made any kind of sense. Got it. But it makes the whole case absurd right. in front of a fair judge. 
You know, you make sense. I can, you know what? You make 100% sense. I think this will work out in your favor. Thank God. The great Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, on at 3 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, we, want, we want to save this country. We got one. Unfortunately, fortunately, it's him. Unfortunately, the, you know, you got only one chance. It's nice if you have four or five chances. We got only one. It's Trump. And I agree with you on everything you said about Haley and DeSantis and these people oh, as God. loyal Americans and Republicans should be doing everything to make sure we get rid of the Biden regime. Well, that's if uh, Biden doesn't do it himself. You know, again, I, I place all this trust. I had Nancy Mace on earlier. Maybe you like her, maybe you don't. doesn't matter. Uh, but I place all this trust, Rudy, in the House, GOP, and whether it was McCarthy and now it's Johnson, that they're going to come up with something, you know, that between Hunter and Joe that's really going to screw these guys. Oh, you say they are. You say they are. They are. They are. There's more there. I mean, I, I know I – know, uh, I don't know everything they have. They do surprise me sometimes with things I don't have. Very often uh, it annoys me because they bring up things that I brought up four years ago as if it's new. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes they come up with new stuff. And uh, I know some stuff that's there that that they're going to come up with. Uh, At some point, I I have this feeling like at some point uh, the whole dam is going to burst. It's like little holes have been put in it because the press keeps putting their fingers in. But at some point, they'll be just – it might not even be the biggest thing. One thing will just break it open, and people will see an, an unbelievable thing, 30 years of being a criminal. 30 years. The man, man's been a criminal for 30 years. You look at that one with his brother James. That was, that was back uh, the, the program in the early days. It's his brother picking up money here and there uh, to sell himself out as a senator. And then he went into the big time. But he's been a 30 to 35-year criminal. Hunter gives you the number of years in the hard drive. For 30 years, I've been paying all the expenses of the family and giving half my income to pop. You you need anything else? (laughs) Sounds like you've got enough there. Hey, uh, one more. My my least, you know, I always say this, my favorite politician ever is you. And uh, over the years, I've uh, grown to really love Peter King, too, here in New York. But you're my man. Me, too. He's one of my oldest friends. Awesome guy. But um, I think the guy I, I like the least maybe Chuck Schumer. And he was speaking again. I can't stand Chuck. He's on Capitol Hill yesterday talking about immigration reform. And I, I mean, Rudy, I got to tell you, I did this show for four years when Bernie was still alive and Trump was president. Four years. Do you know how many times I said the word migrant, illegal in four years? Never. Not once. What do you mean immigration reform? How is it possible we had a Republican president where we had little to no issues, none, for four years, and now the issue is it's decades and decades, it's Republicans' fault, too, of no immigration reform? Wait a second. How did Trump do it then? Was it a miracle? You know, Andrew Andrew and I were, were talking about this last night because he worked on this. He worked on the ethanol, uh, ethanol the fentanyl part of it. Yeah. And I was really proud because I gave them a little help because I knew a lot about drugs and I was his lawyer at the time. I was really proud of the numbers they got it down to. Now, I'm just, I'm just going to give you a number. And last year, Trump's in office with all the problems and everything else. Number of illegals uh, uh, apprehended, 242,000. Number this year, 2.7 million. Oh, my God. Jeez. I mean, come on. Oh, come on. Uh, yeah. uh, 2.7 million is a little country. Right. And those are the people that have been apprehended. What about all those maniacs that are here right now? We haven't found them yet. Double it. Double it. Oh, my God. Jeez. That's what that's what the real experts 
will t- like Tom Holman and all, they'll tell you a lot of people, the, the uh, academic figure that comes from MIT is about three quarters, three quarters add three quarters to the ones that have been apprehended to the, to the uh, uh, gotaways. Aye, aye, aye. But somebody like Holman will tell you, uh, it's almost like the, the worse it gets in terms of the numbers coming in, the more come in uh, undetected because see, they're, they're tied up. They're too tied up there. Um, and the, the cartels take advantage of the fact that they're very, very tied up. Yep. So it, it, it's like playing football. You know, uh, they're all tied up on one side of the field. You go down the other side of the field. Right, right. right. I know you're right. It's really that simple. The analogy actually works. So this is uh, my last week of 2023, Rudy, and I say oh, this wow. to the – yeah, that's it. I'm taking next week off. So I just want you to know that uh, not only are you a great guest every Tuesday and you do your own great show, but I really do love you, you and your son, and you, you're, you're a dear friend and a loyal friend for a lot of years. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best in 2024. You deserve better than this country, the media, these courts, these judges, these effing louses have done to you. And hopefully 2024 you'll get yours. You deserve it, Rudy. I love you. Thank you. I believe in God, and I believe God is guiding it, and we'll, we'll be fine. And you, uh, the same thing. I have utmost respect for you, and you're doing an unbelievable job, both for the country and for the station. Thank you, Rudy. I love you, pal. Thank you. Happy New Year, okay? God bless you. Happy New Year. You too. Stay stay. uh Stay strong. That's my man, Rudy Giuliani, the greatest mayor of all time. Does a great show on this station, 3 p.m. every weekday. That's a good man, folks. Don't let the media tell you any different. That's a good man. One more hour on this Tuesday morning. I'll be right back. Um, Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. If somebody's going to bring a little sunshine to your life, a very special co-host this morning, comedian and actor Andrew Dice Clay is here. And by the way, just kind of warming everybody this is, up. This is unreal, right? First of all, what you look stunning this morning. Look. Well, gorgeous is what I'm known for. You, you know. are. You are. You, I, I'm like, I, I, I put on a little bling and then I look over here and I'm like, oh. whoa, 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 wow. you got to understand, I'm looking at you on the TV. I go, I got to go big or go home. Favorite groups, Echo and the Bunnymen, Killing Time. That was Andrew Dice Clay with Rosanna Scotto, courtesy of Channel 5 here, Fox, yesterday. And that brings me to what's on the cover 
or the front page, I should say, the front page of the Brooklyn paper. That's a little paper in Brooklyn that a lot of us still read, the Brooklyn paper. Yesterday's front page was a story about how excited Brooklyn is about the upcoming shooting of season three of Gravesend. And the actual picture on the front of the page of the paper is me, a.k.a. Danny uh, Davy Busco, and uh, William DeMeo, the writer, star, director of the show, Benny Z, standing outside Michael's Restaurant in Brooklyn, filming what I thought was a great scene in season two of Gravesend, which you can watch right now on Amazon. Nine episodes. I'm in five of those. But uh, maybe the most iconic scene, and I think all these guys would agree, DeMeo, Peter Gordio, uh, Chris, Momondo, Chuck Zito, all these guys, Chaz Palminteri, Vinny Pastore, Armando Sante, John Forsyth. Listen to this cast, by the way. It's unbelievable, right? You got the Fran Drescher. I don't know. I'm even leaving out people. But maybe the most iconic scene was at the tennis court, which is episode two of season two with me and Dice. Because Dice and I are partners out of Miami. He plays Ronaldo. I play Davey. And then he comes down with a stroke which is about the time he actually had Bell's palsy in real life. And then I kind of take over running things until he gets back, and he'll be back in season three. So thank you to the uh, the Brooklyn paper, and I loved working with Dice, down in Miami especially, and look forward to doing it again, me and Dice coming up in season three. Well, let's shift gears. Cully Stimson, he is a big, big guy in the uh, the Heritage Foundation, This guy's got a rich history, believe it or not, of dealing with some of the most evil people in the world. That's not an exaggeration. Widely recognized as an expert in national security, homeland security, crime control, drug policy, and immigration. Making his debut on the program uh, as a um, request from Jennifer Harrison. She recommended him, Cully Stimson. Cully, good morning, pal. How are you? Hey, man, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you. I know the uh, you guys wrote a book. It was called Rogue Prosecutors, How Radical Soros Lawyers Are Destroying America's Communities. And your co-author was in studio with Jen Harrison one day talking about the book. But let's get right to that. Then we'll get to the matters at hand in terms of national security. And that is the amount of time and money that George, and even his son now, spends a lot of time at the White House, this man spends on making sure America is destroyed at every level. It's really fascinating, no? It is, and that's why we wrote the book. You know, Zach and I, my co-author, were both prosecutors. Uh, I did homicide prosecution in various places, including here in D.C. And, you know, like Zach said, I'm sure that 2,300 elected DAs around the country, 74 of whom are Soros bought and paid for in some of the biggest cities. You've got Alvin Bragg right there in the Big Apple. Uh, and the top 30 homicide cities in the country, uh, 27 are run by Democrats, two by Republicans, one by an independent. But 14 of those cities have Soros bought and paid for rogue prosecutors, amounting to 70 percent of the murders in those top 30 cities. And so they realize they can buy DAs. And so that's what they're doing. They've spent $40 million of direct spending, about $1 billion, with a B, dollars of indirect spending since 2016. Jeez. Carly, you know, you mentioned the Big Apple, and I've been playing a cut all morning long. The mayor, Eric Adams, who happens to like Alvin Bragg, he, uh, he made a, he had a, uh, an interview yesterday locally with Channel 11 WPIX, and he said 
in the interview, the guy asked him, he goes, you know, you look back at 2023 and what kind of rings out? And he was trying to make the point, I guess, that New Yorkers are resilient and we'll find a way to get through all these crises. And he actually put 9-11, he said, and I quote, New York is a place where you can actually see planes crash into buildings. And he left it. He didn't move on after that and say, but the good news is 22 years later we've come together. He left it there. New York is a place where you can see planes crash into buildings. And correct me if I'm wrong, but back in those days, those 9-11 days, you actually came into contact with these 9-11 masterminds, sat across the table from these guys. What was that like? Yeah, on 9-11, I worked for Marsh McLennan uh, in the city, although I worked out of their D.C. office, but I was in New York a lot. I ran their private equity M&A practice, and, of course, Marsh, the first plane hit the first tower, hit Marsh. We're in the 93rd through 100th floor, so we lost 200, almost 300 people instantly. And later I went into the George W. Bush administration as a deputy assistant defense secretary in charge of detainee policy. So I had all the detainees in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Gitmo, and was involved in the movement of the 14 high-value guys, including Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, uh, to Gitmo in September 2006. So I've seen the interrogations. I've been on the other side of the mirror during these terrorist interrogations. Uh, I've been in the room uh, with the bad guys, um, and they're evil. There's just evil in the world, and these guys are evil. Uh, And I don't know why Eric Adams didn't finish the thought, because he was a cop. He should be a little more articulate. Uh, I'm sure in his heart he meant that, and we bounced yeah, back. Right. He uh, did mean that. Words in his mouth, but he, right. no, he must have meant that. No, no, he, he, he's not. I like Eric. He's not a bad, he's not a very good mayor, but he's not a bad guy. He certainly did mean that, but you know that words matter. I mean, if I hear one more time, Donald Trump said this, Donald Trump said that, I'm going to puke. I love Donald Trump. And uh, the, every word that he says becomes an issue. So if you leave something like that out, that's a bad blunder. That's a bad blunder. I mean, look, you know, I just had Woody Giuliani on the phone literally 10 minutes ago. And we brought up the Eric Adams statement, and Woody was in charge, 9-11. Went to about yeah. a 1,000 funerals. He doesn't consider that one of the great pieces of New York history. But what he did say, to your point, was talking about evil people and terrorists. He believes right now, today, we are at more danger of a terrorist attack than September the 10th. Do you believe that's true, Cully Stimson? Well, the FBI director said that uh, in a hearing recently uh, and setting aside whether you believe him or not. When he says that over and over and the head of the director of national intelligence says that and other senior intelligence people who have been career intelligence people say that, I think we have to take that at face value. And, you know, when you see and you see this in your city, just like we see it around the country, the rise in anti-Semitism, the disgusting, vile call for the elimination of all Jews uh, and the Jewish state, that's vile. That's disgusting. And when you see what Hamas did uh, to innocent women, children, and civilian men on October 7th in Israel, and I've seen the raw video uh, at the American, uh, the Israeli embassy here, it is beyond evil. Mm. It's totally beyond evil. Yeah. Well, where are you calling me from this morning? I'm curious. The Swamp, D.C. Oh, you're in D.C. Okay, Cully Stimson. Well, listen, now that you brought up Israel, you know, you talk about how grotesque it is that whether it's these kids on the college campuses, plenty of politicians, all on the left, by the way, every one of them, every one of them, Talib, Democrat, Omar, Democrat, AOC, Democrat, even self-hating Jews like Schumer and Bernie Sanders, all Democrats. Uh, You bring all this up, 
And now you've got basically people blaming Israel, talking about Israel committing war crimes, Israel committing genocide. Even this president, who I can't stand, telling Israel to stop their indiscriminate bombing and and pull it back just a little bit and, and stop worrying more about the Palestinians. I mean, I just, you can't even make this stuff up, but that's what's going on. Can you believe that, Cully? It's uh, appalling, and it's ignorant, honestly, because I spent some time in uniform in the military as a Navy JAG about 30 years and did some law war uh, teaching and uh, practicing. I deployed with the SEALs as a Joint Special Operations Task Force JAG, and I had the privilege here at Heritage, where I work as a civilian, to host the number two lawyer in the Israeli Defense Forces. And I wrote about it at the Daily Signal recently, and he talked about how – this was several years ago – how Hamas and Hezbollah not only violate the law of war and commit war crimes all the time, but how the Israeli Defense Forces train to and far exceed the bare minimum requirements of the Geneva Conventions, which I know something about. And so it's Hamas who's putting Palestinian civilians in harm's way on purpose, and it's the Israelis who knock and announce – and do much more than the Geneva Conventions requires. And so I think it's rather it takes a lot of chutzpah for this president to tell Bibi Netanyahu, you need to be following the law of war. That's ridiculous because they go way beyond what the minimum requirements are. I just had a young lady in my studio. She's an activist, and I love her. I legitimately love her. Her name is Lizzie Savetsky. She sits down with hostage relatives and she really, really uh, is, is job. you know, she is right. Okay, great, right. But yet she, she was defending Biden uh, to the point where she said, I don't like this administration. I don't. But I don't think Biden is anti-Israel. A lot of Jewish people I talk to now, now, now are quick to put the knife in Barack Obama, but not Biden. And I say, wait a second. They're the same guy for the most part. Do I think Obama likes Jews less? Yes. But I know this. Biden was part of the Obama administration with John Kerry that did the Iran deal. When Biden won, he called on to John Kerry to do the Iran deal again. Hostage swaps, billions and billions of dollars. So you have to excuse me, but his rhetoric and what he says on television days after the attack when I weigh that up against what he's done to make sure Iran has the money to fund these attacks, tells me he's not an Israel guy. Am I wrong? Let's take politics out of it for a second. Let's just pretend they don't exist. Actions speak louder than words. When you're funding the people who are funding the enemy, does that make sense? Obviously not. And when you do it over and over and over again, and then you criticize our key ally in a region publicly instead of privately behind the scenes, what message does that tell you? Thank you. You know, I, I mean, I've I got a guy here in New York. He's a great columnist, and I really do like the guy. I've kind of banned him the last couple of weeks. His name is Michael Goodwin. Just to get back to him, I don't care. He, he fought with me because I used the word complicit. With Biden, I said he's complicit in these attacks. If you're in bed with Iran, you're complicit. That word makes sense. No, no, no. And then he went on to tell me that, look what he's doing for Israel. He's got warships there. I go, really? He's got warships there? 
That that tells me that this guy is really behind Israel. Well, what am I missing, Cully? You're a Navy guy. Tell me what I'm missing. I feel bad for our Navy uh, on those ships in that area of operations because they're in a defensive crouch. They're not reaching out and zapping the Houthis in Yemen who are indiscriminately firing rockets at them. They're not reaching out and zapping, which would be their right to do, uh, people in Hezbollah and southern Lebanon who are reaching out and touching our warships and civilian uh, marine traffic. And so they're sitting ducks. And, you know, if this president wanted to lean forward, he could, but he's not. And I think that that's disgusting. Last one, uh, another friend of mine, another activist besides Lizzie Savetsky here in New York is Siggy Flicker, used to be a, uh, a reality TV star in New Jersey, and now she's become a huge voice for hours in Boca Raton, too. And uh, she was hanging out yesterday with Elise Stefanik. And I love Elise, and I thought Elise did a tremendous, I mean tremendous job on the Hill a couple of weeks ago, tearing apart the presidents of Harvard, Penn, and MIT. Yet, 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 the Harvard president, Claudine Gay, kept her job. The MIT president, Kornbluth, a Jew, kept her job. And even the Penn president, who quote-unquote stepped down, is still getting paid. If that's not disheartening, Cully Simpson, you tell me what is. Elise Stefanik did the world a public service. She asked simple questions, and there were simple answers to those questions, which those presidents tied themselves in knots and were incapable because of the DEI woke mind virus that infects all of these universities of answering truthfully. I mean, if you switch one word, black, for Hamas, and you said something vile like, do you think all blacks should be exterminated? And statements <laughs> like, from the plantation to the hanging tree should be allowed. Right. Of course you know their answer. 100%. percent couldn't do it. Blacks, gays, it. You, you could put the word gay in there right. too? Insert, insert whatever. That would get the other side whipped up. But they couldn't do it, and she did the world a service, and I think this is a tipping point, and I think hopefully the momentum will carry through and start to rid the rot that is in these college campuses and corporate boards and all the rest of it. So we'll close with this, Cully, and Jennifer Harrison was right. You are a great guest. Cully Stimson here, folks. This is my last week of 2023. I'm taking next week off. I'll be back in 2024. It's a big year. We've got, you know, the Super Bowl is coming up in Las Vegas in February. Maybe it'll be the 49ers. You know, maybe it'll be the Ravens. I don't know. But the real Super Bowl comes in November when hopefully Donald Trump is reelected to office. That's our Super Bowl. It's a big, big year coming up. This was a lousy year in New York City, in New York State, and certainly abroad. What do you see for 2024? Well, somebody's going to win, and hopefully the person who wins is committed to fidelity to the Constitution and getting our country back in order and dials down the temperature and gets serious about putting America first, cementing our relationships with our allies, and Uh-oh. defending the country Uh-oh. and closing the border. It sounds to me like you like Trump's policies, and we've had no discussion about this. I just met you on this radio show 10 minutes ago. Sounds to me like you like Trump's policies, but when you start to say stuff like lower the temperature, that's what anti-Trump people say, like Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis, but they're not going to win the primary, so it doesn't make any sense. I don't pick candidates. I pick policies. And so Heritage doesn't allow us to, nor should we, be pointing to candidate A, B, or C. Got it. Uh, I like a lot of Trump's policies. I think they were terrific. 
I mean, look, look, look at the amount, the, look at the, look at the level of unemployment in blacks, Hispanics, et cetera. Uh, and so I think a lot of the policies were great. Uh, and I think that, you know, as I travel around the country and debate and, 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 and whatnot, I hear a lot of people who voted for Trump the first time, voted for him the second time, say, I liked his policies, but I want a two-termer, and I wish he would dial it down. So I'm not expressing an opinion whatsoever. I think somebody needs to follow the Constitution. I think they need to appoint conservative judges to the courts. I think they need to close the border, and I think they need to take the government off the people's neck and let them do their job. Fair enough. You just, uh, no matter what, you just <laughs> lined up a Republican. It doesn't matter who it is, but uh, those are not Democrat policies. So at any They're rate, no. this was a great conversation, man. Thank you for uh, hopping on. I wish you a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New you. Year. And more of Cully Absolutely. Stimson Thanks in 2024. Thank you, buddy. Yep, you too. Take care. Cully Stimson right there. Very good guest. Great guest from the Heritage Foundation. We'll talk. A sh- we'll take a short break. I should say more of Sid and Friends in the morning on this Tuesday morning. Right after this. and music radio the only station with common sense ideas for new york and the world keeping you company for 102 years and counting wabc all right folks got a good guest coming into studio my buddy jason trenard who had me speak at the new york athletic club a couple of weeks ago, that was a good night. Boxing, Tom Murrow, my buddy Tom Murrow was there. I like him. And it was fun. Trenard's a big Wall Street guy, so David Bonson, who's been in here before, on the phone, actually. He'll be live in the studio to wrap up the show, and we'll talk about all the um, ills, the economy, Bidenomics here in the country, and, of course, here in New York. But we got to get to Ernie Anastas. We need some goodwill today. We need some positive thoughts. My daughter Ava's coming home tonight from Europe, and I only got three more days to work this year, and Christmas is less than a week away, and 2024 is less than two weeks away. So there's lots of good stuff going on. It's way too much. It's a lot. A lot of good stuff. I got two Nick games coming up over the next couple of days. I got a Rangers-Sabers game with my son on Saturday night. Got a big Thursday night. Big Thursday night. Me and Lois going to be honored by the police. You. Huge. Huge. In fact, uh, Ron Duguay will join us tomorrow, the great Ranger Ronnie Duguay, who's also being honored that night. And as I told you earlier, his girlfriend Sarah Palin is coming in from Alaska for this uh, big event. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. I told you that um, last month, Jason Trenert invited me to speak at the New York Athletic Club, and 
a bunch of uh, his uh, co-workers and friends, and it was a great time. And I spoke to the crowd. It was something different. They used to these sports guys like Chris Russo and Stephen A. Smith. And I got up there and started talking about uh, my my hectic, chaotic life and all my issues along the way and Trump and Eric Adams. And people were flabbergasted. Some ran out of the room. They were hysterical. And I'm like, now that's a good damn speech. And then we watched boxing all night with my friend Tom Miro. So then it uh, turns out Trenert, who's a good buddy of mine, is also friends with uh, David Bonson who's been on this show before. This would be his uh, second appearance. He's a very, very smart economy guy. I don't know what firm you work for or if you're a you're, you're on your own. What exactly, what, what is your deal? Yeah, so I was a managing director at Morgan Stanley for many, many years, and I left eight years ago, started my own firm. Office is right down the street from here. Is that right? And uh, we run a little over $5 billion. $5 billion. Yes, sir. It's a lot of money, Dave, no? It is. Yeah, I mean, so what exactly do you do, though? What is your financial day? Uh, invo- what's involved in that? Yeah, so basically you have real clients, real people, real money, and then you have to come up with solutions for what needs to be done with their money to meet their needs. Some people need a lot of income. Some people want to give a lot of money to a charity they believe in. Other people want to leave money to their kids and not have their kids blow it. You have to go find solutions to those types of things. Even uh, very wealthy people have kind of real-life practical needs that come up. They come to people like us to solve those things. Do you find that middle-class people, when I say middle-class, you can make $750,000, which in most cities and most states, you're very, very wealthy. You make that in New York, you're living paycheck to paycheck, let's be honest. Do you find that those types of people are still coming to you, looking for ways to maximize that? I think people are afraid these days not to just have cash. And they're afraid of what the future may hold. Do you find that type of salary, that middle-class person, is still very active in some of the markets you deal with? Very much so. I think that you're right, that it's all relative, what the dollar amount is. And you also have to distinguish not just the income, which varies by geography as to how significant it is, but the net worth, the assets, right? I hear people talk sometimes as if a million-dollar home is expensive, which it is in some parts of the country. <laughs> Not here. And then we know parts, including here in Manhattan, where you have to get a lot, above, quite a bit above a million to yeah. start you know, talking about a number that makes sense. So it's all relative. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's not just relative from certain parts of Arkansas to parts of midtown Manhattan. It's relative from Arkansas to parts of India and Pakistan. Sure. Right? Uh, wealth is, by definition, a somewhat relative thing. And I think that the income figure is less significant than the balance sheet. Somebody can make $750,000 a year and have no money. Someone can make $100,000 a year and have $5 million. So what they have... But they don't have $5 million. They've got $5 million in assets. That's not liquid. Well, it depends. Uh, some people might have $5 million where some of it's in their house, some of it's in a rental property, and then the rest might be liquid. Gotcha. Cash, stocks, bonds. Gotcha. A lot of American wealth is in 401k plans, you know, and so that's reasonably liquid. It needs some advice. It needs some direction. You know, I speak to a lot of guys about this. You know, I'm friendly with Larry Kudlow. I'm friendly with Monica Crowley. They're all on the show. Charlie Gasparino, even a guy like uh, Ron Insana. So that's the other side of things, you know. He's still blaming uh, COVID for everything that's going wrong. Uh, And I love Ronnie. Uh, But no one seems to be really um, positive about the future of this economy. And they're very quick to blame Biden, as I do. Bidenomics is a complete failure, complete failure. Some say recession. Donald Trump talked yesterday about a depression. Don't be surprised. 
Where are we really in this economy? How bad is it going to get before it gets better? Well, so here's the thing. I am a deep movement conservative, a right-wing guy, grew up under Reagan and Bill Buckley. These are my heroes, mentors, and I've studied this stuff my whole life. And I have to manage money um, around what I believe, but not try to make the decisions I make as an investor uh, around what I want to be. I have to invest as to what is. Nobody really believes the economy is in a deep recession. Trump has to say that. It's good campaign rhetoric. You recall when he was running in 2016, he said we're in a big, fat bubble. Then the stock market went up higher when he was president. He said, look at what I've done with the market. So, you know, it's a bubble when it's somebody else's, and then it's great when you do it. That's fine. That's politics. Uh, Trump's a great salesman. But here's the thing. Uh, the economy has really deep problems long term because of government indebtedness. Short term, in the next 6 to 12 months, anything can happen. Most people have jobs. Most wages have grown. has nothing to do with President Biden. Uh, those corporate tax cuts we did five, six years ago helped a lot. Trump. Re- yes. Repatriating a trillion and a half dollars from overseas back to America helped a lot. Trump. That's right. <laughs> the biggest issue where Ron Son is wrong about COVID, it's, it was the response to COVID. And this is where I don't really think Biden was the biggest cause of the inflation. And people think I'm defending Biden, and I'm not. I think he's done all kinds of horrible things to the economy, mostly on energy. But you know what really caused the inflation was shutting down the economy and then reopening it. And lo and behold, people still like to live their lives, but they had shut down the production of goods and services. I I agree with you. There's no question that killed us. But if you left one pipeline open, to your point, one, energy, we'd be okay. We'd be okay. I think think that's right. I think energy is the deal from the 80s all the way through now. It still is what uh, affects middle class people in the pocketbook the most. There's no question. And now... In an effort to bring down inflation, you know, I watch these Dems on TV. They're beating their chest. Inflation's down to 3%. It was less than 2 with Trump. 3% is still too high a number. It's not 8. That's great. But what you've done is now you've strangled us with interest rates. So people can't buy a house. They can't get money from a bank. What good is inflation at 3% if interest rates are closer to 10 I would point out, though, and this gets into neither Trump nor Biden, but what was going on before. Interest rates should have never been 0% for eight years either. So what happens in our country is something goes wrong, and then we over-respond, and then it creates a new problem, and we go back and forth with booms and busts. And politicians take credit for booms when they shouldn't, and then they get blamed for busts when they shouldn't. Really, this Fed policy is what I'm most critical of. I think that they went too high, too tight. Rates are too high right now. But they never should have stayed at 0% for so long. I was critical of President Trump when he was president asking Jay Powell to go to negative rates and all this kind of stuff. We don't need the Fed to put their finger on the scale of the economy. Free enterprise works. It's going to have good times and bad times. You roll through cycles. But you don't need the Fed kind of distorting the way all this stuff works. So if I have a buddy who's making a half a million dollars and he goes, uh, I heard Bonson, Dave Bonson, in his hotel. I like that guy. He wears a nice suit. He's got a great personality. He seems really positive. I think I want to go to him. And he says, oh, look, I want to maximize this $500,000. I have no idea how to do it. I don't have a broker. I got nothing. Hmm. And he sits in front of you and shows you what he's got. And what would be your recommendation? Now, now of course, this is just based upon his salary. I'm not talking about other assets when he yeah. may. Just based upon his salary, 
What is Dave Bonson's recommendation? And here's the way I'd answer it, because, again, you're right. There's other variables. How long term is it? What's the risk tolerance? All that kind of stuff. We really don't want to buy the S&P 500. We don't want to go out and buy three or four big tech companies and assume that a really expensive tech stock is going to become an even more expensive tech stock. We buy what's called dividend growth. 30, 35 companies total. Out of thousands of publicly traded companies, we own about 32 companies right now that are growing their dividend year over year. When you say we own, you're talking about you, My your firm. firm. Got My it. firm. I, we manage this money directly in-house. We're not hiring a mutual fund. We're not hiring an outside manager. We run it. My traders, my analyst. I make every single decision for every dollar of what happens personally. So I've been the chief investment officer of this for 25 years. I want companies that are growing their cash flow. I don't believe that a company can be growing the dividend they're paying you and I if everything is bad at the business. You know, it's like they say about taxes. Some people make more than their tax return says. Nobody makes less than their tax return says. You're not paying real taxes on fake income, right? Right. right. And and that's how dividends work. It's real money that the company is paying us. I believe dividends. I don't believe most companies' earning statements. So would you say then that uh, based upon the conversation, going back to Bidenomics for a second, where I think you were really uh, smart because you were level about the thing, and you're being honest, right? You're, you're right. Trump was beating his chest when the market was hitting 30000 I did this. I did this. Uh, would you say then that in the next 6 or 12 months, like you said, you just don't know. It could be a recession. It could be good. Uh, would you say then that people should not be in despair about the future of this economy? That, that yes, listen, you should always be a bit careful and uh, keep some cash and, and, and maybe even fear the worst. But to wake up every day terrified at this point is a bit much. I think it's a bit much. I think it's been a bit much for decades. It's more uh, pathology people have. We almost sort of feel good by feeling bad yeah. when, we're, when we're hyper afraid. Well, you know what that is? Because if you prepare for the worst, then if it's not awful, then you feel like you've had a winning day. You know, it's funny. I'm <laughs> yeah. not even sure a lot of these people that talk that way have prepared for the worst. I think it's more just they like to sort of sound that way. It's a coping mechanism emotionally. Yeah. But look, here's what I would say. Japan has gone for 30 years with no growth. They haven't fallen in the ocean. Their their quality of life hasn't completely collapsed. What is there? But they have absolutely no economic growth. None. And I think that what we face is you talked about the inflation was real low before Biden. It was at 1% during all the Obama years, too. That wasn't a good thing. We had no growth. We took on so much debt in the last 15 years, and this was over three presidents. Two were Democrat, one was Republican. Uh, the Bush presidency ran up a lot of debt, too. But now we've got to pay for that. That takes away from economic growth in the future. However, that doesn't mean we fall in the ocean. It doesn't mean an apocalypse. It means potentially just way less opportunities for our kids and grandkids. I think it's morally unacceptable. Is Jim Cramer the greatest economy mind ever? Economy mind ever? Yeah. yeah. The answer to that is no. <laughs> but, but I think yeah, I watch him on TV. He seems like he knows a lot of stuff. I don't know. I no. Jim is not an economist at all. He was a trader. He was a yeah. good trader. Well, Nobody gets out of that job in their 40s yeah. if they're really that good. <laughs> and uh, Jim Jim has been wrong so much more than he's been right. It's yeah. not even funny. Yeah, I know. But he has had an entertaining show. I hear ratings are way down Way now, down. Though. So yeah. for people who want to contact you, David Bonson, how do they do that? They can just go to Bonson. Bonson.com, B-A-H-N-S-E-N. But then they got to read some of my politics, my economics, my point of view. That's the beauty of not working for another big firm with all their woke stuff and everything. I can say whatever I want. Some people aren't going to like me. Some people will. I'm okay with that.
Good to see you, pal. Yes, sir. Excellent job. Good to see you. That is uh, the great Dave Bonson. Yes, he's related to Stan Bonson. You are the uh, the great nephew or something, That's right? what they tell me. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's what they tell me. Thank you. That's a terrific job. And Rob, uh, that wraps up a terrific show. Lou, we're out of here. Uh, Lou Rapino, great job. Justin Ellick, great job. Noam Layton, great job. God willing, we're back tomorrow. It's a big show tomorrow. I know we got Steve Bannon, Peter King, Alan Dershowitz, and uh, maybe Phil Sims, too. So a big show coming up tomorrow. We are done on a Tuesday morning. God willing, as Gene would say, we'll see you at 6 for a Wednesday show. Until then, from all of us to all of you, peace.